This is Radio Free Istvan. The following public service announcement is direct from the Praetorian. Do not look directly at the Black God machines. Any dreams of paradise should be duly ignored and combat stims taken immediately. Remember, all defectors will be shot on sight. What's going on, Radio First Fan listeners, and welcome to episode 172 of the Radio First Fan mm. podcast, a horse heresy wargaming podcast. My name is Michael. I got my co-host Derek here. Go and say what's going on, Derek. What's going on, party people? Now, Derek, I want you to know, uh, so, you know, obviously I also do Radio Freakadia for the yeah. 40k side. Do you know how hard, because I have the same kind of like intro, you know, except I just say Radio Freakadia, mm-hmm. and I, every time I'm like, <laughs> here's my co-host, Zyler, it's like, it's like, it's like <laughs> I'm like so used to saying Derek, and it's like, oh, it, t- Tyler, Tyler. Here's my co-host, not Derek. <laughs> not Derek. He's just like, what's going on, everybody? <laughs> so, uh, Tyler. <laughs> Tyler's excellent. Just, you know, <laughs> it's uh once you're in it, you know, I got locked in now. It's, uh, it's like peeing your pants on purpose. Yeah, it's like a, I have to mentally play games in my head to like not do that when I, when I, when I go to Radio Free Cadia's side. Uh, so, yeah. What's going on, everybody? We have a great episode for you today. Uh, yeah, we have some... Got some stuff going on. Some nice announcements we're going to make. Uh, we're going to talk about some uh, Discord updates, which I think we're going to want to hear on this one. Uh, we're going to talk about this month's painting competition and the like. Uh, we are we do have a voicemail that came in. Uh, by the way, we, we're going to talk about this, but we are looking for some spooky stories for the month of October. Yes. I ask you guys every year for spooky stories and never get them. So, you know, what's the point of even having a podcast if you can't? Try and get some spooky stories out of people. Well, I mean, you know why that is, right? Why? It's because paranormal stuff's not real. Oh, I guess so. Changed my mind. <laughs> Powerful wink. <laughs> <laughs> the old. Uh, the well, old. I mean, so I mean, I've tried. I've like you know because I know you've been involved or you've been interested in like the the like. I guess the the more like investigative like ghost hunting type stuff since high school. Absolutely. And. Uh, I always thought that stuff was super interesting and I've tried to put myself in situations and nothing's happened. No, oh, dude, I was in a, and but we're just going to break away right here. This is how we're going to go. If we're going to do a call out, we're doing a call out. Uh, so I was part of a paranormal organization group mm-hmm. locally. Yeah. And, um, the only time any, and like, dude, I was going deep. Like I was trying to like everything. Like, I was doing, like, cameras. Like, I had a... EVP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Recorder. Yeah, so, like, uh, I was their, like, their tech guy, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, I had... Before it was a thing, this was back in, like, 2008 or so. Yeah. I had... I, I bought, like, a... Before Chinese, like, uh, uh, camera systems were just everywhere, you could go to special websites and, like, get, like cheap made dvr camera systems and like specifically low fidelity so they'd be more prone to interference oh well, no it was just, i mean they were oh, just you know oh, cheap, oh, cheap just, okay it was just accessible I, like a uh, uh over over uh, a cat five like ip cameras like oh like just ip cameras in general gotcha. with uh, uh wi-fi and all that jazz and so when they would do investigations 
I would use a, a Cat5 cable, and I'd bring a router, and I'd just, like, put Wi-Fi cameras all over their house and, like, have a security system set up inside the house, and they'd cut off, like, all the lights and everything like that. And uh, I would put... we. I took... Um, so, like, these motion capture like hallway cameras that like they see that you're in the hallway. And so they like light up mm-hmm. and they have like a little led that lights up in your hallway. And they're, they're like, they're, you can, they're like battery operated. So like you could pick one up and use it as a flashlight and like walk around the house if you needed to. Uh, I took the leds out of those and I put uh UV leds in there. Oh, hell yeah. no infrared leds so that the cameras would see them light up, but you wouldn't, it wouldn't light up the room. And so, like, it's just, like, super spooky, right? And so, like, if you're, like, on the camera and that motion sensor tripped, the whole room would, like, light up. And you'd be like, oh, well, something's going on over here. We detected motion. And a lot of times there's roaches. But, like... <laughs> haunted by roaches. <laughs> so, uh, uh, the only time we had anything happen, like, and, and I'm talking, dude, we went, like, everywhere. We went all sorts of places. Um, we were at this, this house this lady's house in Goliad and this, I took those sensors and I had one that kept going off in a bedroom. And like, keep in mind, I'm in the living room watching the TV with like, I didn't go into all the rooms and like do the seance and shit. No, Cause you're, I'm you're like the guy in the chair. Yeah. I'm Hispanic dude. I don't do the, <laughs> I don't do the devil stuff. Right. Like <laughs> my grandma would come out of her grave and we'd see some real paranormal stuff. Cause she ain't going to mess with that. She's like, I know you know better than that. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so in one of the back bedrooms, like the master bedroom, it was like, you had like, it was a living room here kitchen directly next to it you walk through the kitchen you turn left and you go there's a hallway there that goes to all the bedrooms like it was the weirdest setup in the house because you had to go to the kitchen to get to any of the bedrooms Hmm. and down that hallway um at the far right at the end of the hallway was the master bedroom and while everybody was in the kids room doing this like seance or whatever because they kept seeing like a kid that would like they hear the guitar but like strum or whatever in the master bedroom the uh it kept going off that motion sensor kept going off and so i was like oh it keeps going off because i'm looking at it on a tv screen and i'm seeing essentially nine different cameras views and everything's kind of just like you know tinted grayish green because it's like the infrared and it's or i guess grayish blue and it's like everything's normal nothing's happening i could see them talking in this room and then when that ir ir sensor like nightlight would go off it would basically like illuminate the whole room for a second yeah and so like immediately it draws your attention you look at the room and i'm like okay that just went off Oh, that must be a roach because <laughs> like usually it was roaches that set them off or like, you know, and then, uh, uh, it would cut off and then it would go off again and then it would cut off. And I was like, is there like a curtain moving? Like do they, and we would turn off all the power in the house or like we would turn off like all the breakers except for the breakers we were using. And so I was like, something must be on in that room. And so I was like, well, maybe it's a sensor. So I grabbed one of my extra sensors and I swapped out the motion detector and, what that light turn off? What the heck? 
<laughs> Spooky. So uh, I took the motion detector to that room and I put it in there and that one didn't turn on and off, right? Well, then, like, I'm sitting there and I'm watching the camera and I shit you not, dude. And, like, I have no idea explanation to this day why I would even do it or why a ghost would even care about it. But this motion sensor, it's like, it looks like this. It's like a, it plugs into the wall, it's flat against the wall, and it's got like a light on it, right? Okay. I have it sitting like this on this like kitchen table, or I guess a, a living room table, like a coffee table in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting on the couch watching this TV that's like mounted on this, like essentially like a dresser. Uh, uh, it's pretty like high up in the corner. And this coffee table is like at my knees length or knees height. And this sensor's sitting there, like, essentially looking at me. Yeah, so just, like, standing straight up, just facing you. And then it just goes. It just starts wobbling? It just wobbles like this. Doesn't fall over. But, like, what was crazy about it was, like, it looked like it was to the point where it wanted to tip. And then it would start wobbling back and, like, go, 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 go. And I was, like, at the time, I was working, uh, uh, I was, like, I had an iPhone 4. Mm-hmm. And I was working for was the style at the time. Uh, yeah, I was like just as started at Elite, and so I was in my work shirt with like my work pockets, and so I had my iPhone four in my work pocket, and so like it was a four S, I think, maybe even a five, and I I slowly slipped my phone out of my pocket and put it on video mode and like recorded like a little video of this thing just like. Just dancing on Just the table. dancing for no reason on the table. And I could not explain what it was. Mm. That is the max I got. That's it. <laughs> and it just stopped. Mm. So. Wild. Anyway. Well, so, uh, did y'all ever do anything at the Presidio at La Bahia? Uh, yes. Okay. Because uh, I know my girlfriend's dad likes that place. They've got a room there you can rent out and like spend the night on the premises. Uh, they've claimed they've seen a whole bunch of spooky stuff. I've been over there maybe going on about half a dozen times and I've never really encountered anything other than like mundane stuff, like not paranormal. Like, like you know, somebody like it from the neighborhood nearby comes over and like is checking stuff out on the outside. <laughs> have, just have an interesting conversation with them. Cause we'd be like walking the courtyard and stuff. Yeah. That's pretty much what it is. Like uh, everybody talks about the black figure and all that, like the Bigfoot monster thing that's out there. That's what yeah, they say. That, uh, just different different apparitions from various battles or the massacre and things like that. Uh, it's a cool place. I like Texas history. Yeah, no, it's good uh, for history. I'm, I'm open to seeing some cool paranormal stuff. I would love to see some, you know, uh, Mexican revolution, <laughs> like you know, some, some, some Texas independence uh, battle homies, but no, never do. Never do. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I guess they don't think I'm cool. They just go and scare the, what do you call it? The, the Boy Scouts that go over there. Anyway, so yeah, we are looking for spooky stories for voicemails this month. I think we did get a voicemail in. We're going to go over that. Uh, then we're going to talk about some hobby progress, <laughs> some uh, war zone. Yes. Uh, a little more detail on uh, what I did at Warzone. And then uh, we have the uh, part two of the heavy weapons squad that we are. This is going to be the community driven portion yep. where we'll you guys sort of feedback. Yeah. Appreciate that, guys. So we got a bunch of feedback on what people are dealing with in their local meta for heavy weapon squads. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of people chimed in that heavy weapon squads, despite being very efficient and very good, uh, people are kind of not just, you know, 
taking the obvious answer of just spamming out last cannons with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah. cool. You know, always cool when your gaming group is a bunch of cool people, not not just tearing it up with the craziest tools they can get. Yeah, we got a whole bunch of feedback. We got a uh, a whole list of feedback yeah. from and, the from the entire community. Discord channels worth of feedback. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, so first things first, just some uh, some announcements. We did have the September Discord painting competition that was going to be a vehicle was the category on that one. Mm-hmm. We did have two separate. Uh, uh, entries for it we had the painting and the conversion conversion portion uh, we had two separate votes on it so for starters uh powerful powerful artisans of all aka neil got the uh conversion for his beautiful beautiful uh white scars land raider proteus uh he did the uh his i think his own designed extended sides as well as uh, some excellent, excellent tracks, man. It's such a beautiful white model. Looked great. Ooh, uh, I like those tracks. Yeah, it's those... got like this like cover that like covers the the hinge pin in them. Oh yeah, yeah. Safe. Keeps and then safe. he had some like aerials and antennas on them. It's just a good. It was beautiful. That's a that's a fine looking tank. Beautiful, Neil. Beautiful. Does good work. Uh, second play, or I guess secondly for the painting side, equally equally as <laughs> important. Powerful, powerful Craig. Uh, Ooh, with that Night Lord Spartan. With the Night Lord Spartan, with beautiful, beautiful decals, everything. You see how the lightning actually goes under the decal on there? I don't know if you see that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That is hella tight. I know a lot of people, like when I did my Night Lords, people were asking me about lightning. I'm like, hey, can you paint a straight line? And they go, no. I go, cool, then you can paint lightning. Man, you're doing great. <laughs> you're already halfway there. So definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah, no, this is incredibly well executed. I love it. I love the subdued, but there, uh, weathering on it. Yeah, that, and also there's just a hint, just the the faintest hint of OSL coming from some of the lenses around the cupola. Mm-hmm. It's just tasteful. Not even going into the uh, how like. I'm very lazy when it comes to painting last cannons, especially Spartan last cannons, mm-hmm. and. He went all out on those last cannons. Oh yeah, and he he was uh, showing them off in the uh, in the working progress on the Discord, and I was like, "Yeah, you're gonna do great if you put that much time and effort <laughs> into your last cannons like that to get them the proper box art color and everything like that with like five different colors on it. You did great. Oh yeah, that that's the attention to detail. Where if if, if you're showing that kind of like that kind of interest in it, you don't have to worry too much about it. You you've got the right mindset." Powerful, powerful Craig. Powerful, powerful Neil. Good job, guys. Congratulations for the September win. Uh, once again, guys, this is going to be in our Discord, WarhammerDiscord.com. Any of your uh, browsers you go to, just type in WarhammerDiscord.com. It'll take you uh, to an invite to the Discord, throw you right in, and you can start uh, competing in these painting competitions. They're absolutely free to jump in. All prizes are actually sponsored by our Patreon supporters. We appreciate you guys, and uh, uh, we appreciate that as well. This month, speaking of prizes and speaking of uh, monthly, uh, painting monthly painting competitions, is we have two going on. Uh, so the first one, the October October painting competition. the The theme is the dark. The dark. However you guys decide to interpret that, whatever model you want to choose, whatever, uh, anything that you guys want to do that represents 
the dark. Bring it in. Go ahead and get that. All we need is a primed model. It's going to a, uh, uh, we've even had people submit us like STLs that they're going to print and things like that. Uh, from the ground up, we just want to make sure you haven't already had something printed. You're trying to submit. It's got to be painted for this competition. Yeah, we appreciate the enthusiasm with that. I think still a picture of the model with the... <laughs> Would also help. Yeah. So, uh, well, I mean, Neil's designing it from the ground up for this month. I don't know if you saw that. Powerful artisans of all. Okay, that's what I'm looking at. Okay, that's his... Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, he's designing models specifically for this competition for this book. So, he didn't have a model to show. But, so, uh, in that case, this month, guys, just... uh, So, don't let that discourage you. Uh, This month, there is, I believe, going to be a first place and a second place and even a third place. And a third place. Uh, we're looking for all sorts of entries this month. Uh, it could be anything from a vehicle to a character to a squad. Heresy, 40K, Age of Sigmar. It does not matter. It just represents the dark. There's going to be three pace, places. It's all community votes. Somebody's getting in a metal Balrog. Oh, it really? Yeah. They, they, shows, they, they show their order screen. They're like hoping this comes in time. Oh, yeah. Metal Balrog. That, I think that's a hell of an interpretation. Now, here's the thing. Uh, so we were going to have, that was going to be this month's painting competition. And then I realized we had like a big miss Ooh, on whoop, my part. Whoopsie doodle. We've been playing heresy for a little bit too long. And there's, there's some stuff going on in 40 K right now. Uh, it is the month of October, AKA October. That's, Aww. that is essentially a big miss on our part. So we had a voting in the discord. If they wanted us to open up, another painting competition for this month specifically I for i want to say the response was an overwhelming don't ask just do it yeah essentially we we asked for a number of uh, votes for do you want october for this month as well as a second category and i think we doubled the votes if not tripled the votes for that so well, why are you asking of course yeah so we actually included a a second painting competition this month that is separate from the October painting tish competition. This is solely as the orcs would do a, uh, very blatant and <laughs> out of the ordinary <laughs> second painting competition, completely separate October as well. Yep. So the category is orc. Uh, the secret word for the orctober is the, y- is Yarick. <laughs> Suckers. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Uh, the secret word for the October the Dark competition will be the light. The light. A little, little duality in there. So hop in there, guys. Once again, WarhammerDiscord.com. Bring you right in. Uh, yeah, it's a good time. Love to see it. It's one of my favorite things to see people's work in progress, getting those suckers ready. And then, like, right there near the end of the month, is when the panics are setting in, like oh, those yeah. last few days of the month, where people are like, I don't think I'm going to make this. That last week is where the rubber meets the road. We actually, hold on, before we get too deep into this, uh, backing up a little bit, we need to talk about perfectly symmetrical Jack. Oh, man. Now, although... God bless him. He didn't pull a win. Uh, he was close. His uh, Stormbird was up there. Oh, if there was, if one of the prizes was for like quantity or volume... Yeah, yeah. The the amount of like, because I was showing him off. Honorable mention, powerful Jack from the Accountability Buddies podcast, perfectly symmetrical Jack. Uh, he so went showing, out. Yeah, I was showing. I was like, hey, dude, check out check out this dope Ultramarine Cestus. I'm like, oh, that's what's up. It's what I'm like. I'm like, oh, he also entered a brass scorpion. 
Like, oh, Brad, that's in Heresy? They're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, they just added it to Heresy. Check it out. I'm like, all right, you know, keep going. Oh, check out this, uh, check out a second Cestus. <laughs> <laughs> he's got, he's got an Anvilus, Charybdis, or Anvilus Dreadclaw. He's got a, a Dreadnought Drop Pod, a Thunderhawk, and the Stormbird. Man went all out. The all, man went all yeah. out. And it's all like it's all above tabletop standard. Oh like, yeah, every single one of them is <laughs> beautiful, just gorgeous. I think, I think that many because honestly, hold on, let me see something real quick. Yeah, what's up? Because he was actually competing against himself in all of those. I wonder what his total voting was. <laughs> so Cestus got seven votes. Brass Scorpion got ten votes. Stormboard Bird got seven votes. <laughs> so if he hadn't like split all his votes, how would he, uh, how would he have done? Uh, he would have fallen sh- just. He, he he's a strong third place contestant right now. So that's seven plus ten, seventeen, and plus the additional seven would have been twenty four votes. And uh, <laughs> Craig won with twenty four votes on the painting. And uh, a Neil one with 23 votes on the conversion. So mm. he would have been up there. <laughs> yeah. If uh, you competed against yourself, Jack, and you. I don't think anybody isn't impressed. Nope. Yeah, we are all impressed. That is a level of de- dedication that uh, is very rare. Very, very intense. Good job, Jack. Perfectly. I think that perfectly is more symmetrical. crunch than I had pre event. Like. That was it. His airbrush is sore for sure. <laughs> so cool beans, man. Uh, I got some voicemails. You want to hear some voicemails? I would love. I've been dying to hear some voicemails. All right. Once again, guys, uh, we did announce it in the discord, but uh, we are looking for spooky voicemails for the month of October. Three, six, one, two, six, five, eight, six, five, eight. If you guys have some spooky voicemails you'd like to send in, please send in those voicemails. So let's see what's going on here. Hi everyone, it's uh, Matt Thomas here. Uh, I was the fish guy who isn't who wasn't Henry Steele at the first heresy uh, slash war games camp. Uh, I'm calling about the uh, Lost Legions. Uh, everyone seems to think that the, the Lost Legions have some kind of like tragic backstory, but I've always believed that uh, at least one of those legions uh, just didn't feel like fighting the Crusade. But what I reckon happened is one of the Lost Primarchs, we'll, we'll call him Toby, Toby? Uh, was on his planet out, the Emperor turned up, took him back to Terra, <clears throat> gave him his legion, uh, gave him his Loriana class battleship and everything, and then sent him off out into the, into the galaxy to crusade. And then as soon as they were out, out of the solar system, Obi said to all his legionnaires, Snut boys, we're not doing any of that stuff. <laughs> we're gonna find a remote planet with a lot of beach and we're just gonna grill and chill forever <laughs> we're not gonna do any fighting or any war we're just gonna have a good time and you know have some 
catch and raise, surf maybe if you want. So uh, yeah, that's what that's what one of those legions is is doing in my head. And uh, Games Workshop is never going to confirm either way. So my theory is just as right as anyone else's. So somewhere in the galaxy, there's just a planet full of big dudes hanging out, having fun forever. <laughs> That's all your work, guys. It's genuinely a great podcast. Big thing. Hell yeah. I like the idea of the second or eleventh legion, Primarch Jimmy Buffett, just found himself a nice beach somewhere and just like, hey, uh, I am now the patron saint of taking it easy. <laughs> Powerful Matt Thomas. I really, really enjoy this this idea. Right? Oh yeah. Like he's like, hey man, uh, these uh, Goriana class battleships. They got a uh, they got stealth shields on them. I'm like, of course they do. Go ahead and... Let's uh, go and click that on real quick. Go ahead and turn off the transponders. Like, but sir, they won't be able to find us. Hee hee. All right, all right, all right. I think you're starting to get it. He's <laughs> uh, I want you to find the sunniest planet you can get. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Yeah. Toby, played by Matthew McConaughey. They're just out there. He's now... 10,000 years old, kicked back. <laughs> like, if he's got to get in a, like a bar fight or something, he will. But, like, he's he's going to be more chilled out and respectful and do the things he needs to do. Oh, yeah. There's just some fucking, like, 13-foot-tall super metahuman <laughs> who just catches the sickest waves. With the most <laughs> immaculate vibe you've ever seen. <laughs> he didn't age anything like the lion did. (laughs) He went from looking like Obi-Wan Kenobi to looking like Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a, uh, Matthew McConaughey mixed with like Ewan McGregor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I'm saying like, uh, Lionel Johnson went from looking like, uh, Ewan McGregor to looking like Alec Guinness. Oh yeah. I see what you're saying. Um, oh man, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited for this theory. I mean, there's just Uh, a bunch of cannon established. That's right up there with my two other favorite fan theories about it. One, or I don't know if it's a fan theory, but Rick Priestley, who wrote Rogue Trader, uh, he had chimed in on social media with kind of his take on it, where he was thinking that them they had like done some something foul and just like so like the Black Legion isn't stricken from Imperial Records, right? Right. Like in 40k, so all like they had to have done something worse than that. Or they did something very terrible and were known for having done something very terrible, but then redeemed themselves. But the only way to remove that black mark is to just wipe the whole slate. Oh, interesting. So he likes to look at it as they had redeemed themselves such that they could remove that. But the only way to do so was to just remove their entire history. Uh, I just, in my head, I imagine like the emperor like is like communicating with a, a navigator and then he's all like, hey, yo, this is Big E just checking in with uh, Toby. Hey, Toby, uh, how's the how's the crusade going? We haven't heard back from you in a couple weeks. You actually owed me your TPS reports uh, a couple weeks back. Uh, anyway, just give me a call when you get this. Uh, you know where I'm at. <laughs> so he hasn't called me back. Uh, and it'd be, you know, it'd be like, uh, uh, I guess I'm going to have to send Lehman Russ to go see what's going on. <laughs> 
And then Russ gets there, and they're just like chilling, drinking, <laughs> drinking mixture. It's like, hey, so you <laughs> tell them that we. Uh, Could you imagine, like the? Oh <laughs> shit! You found me. <laughs> What's up? Leaving you showed. I was shot in the nuts. <laughs> and then they haven't. They they don't hear from like he's like such a bad influence on the other Primarchs that they're just like. <laughs> A couple of them like know what's going on, but I, like they don't. It's like they don't say anything. It's all Lehman, Lehman. Check it out, dude. Dude, don't tell dad. I know you don't think like Lehman was like like Gilliman stuck up at first, and it's like it's all bro, bro. I know dad said we can't get drunk, right? We Check made out. mead. Check out. <laughs> You're gonna flip. So I was doing some ayahuasca with the boys. <laughs> And we totally saw some shit. So, okay, he's now shifted from Matthew McConaughey to Joe Rogan. It's like a mixture. (laughs) Dude, 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 dude. Check this out, right? (laughs) First off, dad said chaos gods aren't real or gods aren't real. Bro, I seen them. They're real. (laughs) It's nuts. (laughs) You ever done DMT? (laughs) Now, check it. Hear me out. Hear me out. Change your life. This is called mead. (laughs) We've been brewing it. No, no, I know you'll have meat on Fenris. He, he, in, he invented the rune priests. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but dude, you just got to focus in, man. Every planet has a special energy and you just got to lock in. Fenris probably has some. You just yeah, got to lock in. Like, like this planet just has this super dope chill aura. <laughs> Fenris probably has this like raging spirit aura you could just take with you, right? <laughs> you just got to just... Just gonna open yourself up to it and do take a little bit of this, just, just not like like a, like a quarter of a gummy. <laughs> so, Lehman, Lehman, I know, I know what you're thinking. Toby's just all surfing the big waves and and, <laughs> and play frisbee golf. <laughs> but dude, I like to look into myself too, bro. <laughs> like, I don't want to go crusading other planets. I want to crusade. My inner thoughts. My I want to <laughs> conquer the galaxy inside myself. <laughs> like, like Lehman is so like, just like he's like this dude's so, like, like you know how everybody has their like their niche, like what they're good at. This dude's like really good at like convincing he was, he was you. Responsible. <laughs> he was solely responsible for the Imperium's chill, and yeah. that's why everything is just so like rigid and just super <laughs> super charismatic. <laughs> And it's like, it's like, oh, fucking Lehman. Oh, the Emperor gets mad. And then he sends another Primarch to go help. I don't know which one it would be in your mind. We'll leave this open for you, listener. Whatever Primarch you think got sent after Lehman. Whoever he, would be the most interesting one that you think. <laughs> he gets caught up too. And the Emperor's like, pull him back. Pull him back. We can't. No, 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 no. Like, like a dad who's like, he's Toby's dead to me. <laughs> Don't you ever mention Toby in this house at Thanksgiving again. You know he's dead to oh, me. I think this might have just eked out what my previous favorite headcanon, which is like Russ comes back. It's like, all right, cool. Exterminated the second legion. They're like, second legion? It's like, yeah. Or, or no, no, no. Okay, I got it backwards. Uh, the, the 11th legion. Yeah, 11th legion is gone, guys. They're like, 11th? Yeah. One one, that's eleven, right? Like Russ, that's a Roman numeral. That's two. That's two. <laughs> uh, don't tell. I'll be right back. Don't tell Dad. I'll don't, be, oh God. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> uh, this is uh, this is new headcanon. The the Primarch of Chill. Oh yeah, yeah. This this is my new favorite. So somewhere out there, it's like, dying, oh, dude. It's like, it's like, what are you gonna do with your with your with your Gurren class battleship, bro? I haven't used that thing in like. 
at least centuries, oh, we bro. We converted it into a tiki bar. <laughs> it's just it's just hovering in space, just all derelict. It's like, yeah, no, we're good, dude. They, the tech priests, they're all here rusted in the sand, bro. They just they're not chill enough. They actually want skin back because they're just trying to feel sand between their toes. Uh, Toby's my new favorite. His his thing is convincing you to bro down with him. That's his <laughs> that's his power. Hell yeah. Well, thank you, Matt. Appreciate the the insight, the wisdom involved in that. Okay. Okay. So we do have another voicemail. <gasps> Surprise second voicemail. Yeah, it's been a good week for voicemails. Driving through your beautiful state of Texas. I'm in Dallas right now, heading home to Colorado from Lafayette, Louisiana. Just thought I'd call. Say hi, listening to episode 170 right now. Uh, I haven't talked to God, Michael, I haven't seen you since the Depticon in the pre COVID times. Uh, but glad to hear y'all are back on the air. I've been listening to this and the 40K podcast, and uh, I have, I think, two of your episodes queued up for this. Look. Eight and a half hour drive. So you guys take care and uh, keep it up. Thanks. Powerful Stefan going from uh, back to Colorado. What were you doing in Lafayette, Stefan? I don't know. You'd get some uh, some Creole, some some good old fashioned some boudin, some boudin. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you driving? What's going on? COVID's over, baby. You can fly now. Wait a Thank you. <laughs> uh, that's what that's what we do this for. Just so. Make those uh, long drives, some painting sessions, make it all that just a lot more manageable. Just make it feel like you're hanging out with somebody, you know? <laughs> anytime it's like, hey, I got a crunch down and I need to feel like I'm just chilling with the boys. I need that on tap. That's what we're here for. I need that second Legion vibe. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to hear some fun stuff about the hobby that I enjoy. What's up? That's probably my favorite part about voicemails, too, is people send it like, hey, you got me through finishing up this army before this event, or before this. Yeah, I love when people check in with us. It's my favorite thing. If you're listening right now and you're like, man, I haven't checked in with Michael or Derek here recently, yeah. just check in. We'd well, love to hear you guys. Excuse. Yeah, tell us what you're doing. We want to know. You hear what we're doing all the time. We never hear what you guys are doing. We just assume <laughs> you're out there just mad at us. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, every time y'all don't leave a comment back, I think to myself, "Man, that must that joke must not have hit." <laughs> I guess they didn't like that conversion I did. I just gotta send more and more podcasts out to the ether. <laughs> I guess just, just little messages in a bottle. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! <sighs> Do love some voicemails. Send your in your voicemails, guys. This month, October spooky voicemails. Get them in. There's plenty of time uh, since we're dropping this podcast. There's plenty of time. October is long. Oh yeah. So get that going. 361-265-8658. And if you're international, you don't want to mess with international phone rates. Or if you've got longer than like three minutes, you don't want to worry about our voicemail cutting you off and doing multiple calls. You can just reach out to us on Facebook or Discord or however you reach out to us and send us an audio file and we will play it live without any kind of screening. Bing bong. All right, dude, let's talk about some hobby progress. You've got probably way more, like, because you're going to be talking about the war zone. Yeah. So you want to start with me or you want to kick off real quick? I'll kick off. Hell yeah. What you been working on? So quite a bit of things, actually. 
quite a bit of things. First off, first off, uh, so I, in the 40k shot, I've been doing like a lot of Death Watch stuff. So that's been like a ton of fun. Uh, I had a bunch of people reach out to me about like Death Watch, like either armies or the, maybe they were talking about like how Death Watch has changed and all this stuff. I've been uh, painting like crazy. Uh, I'm trying to get them like tournament ready. And so, but at the same time, there's like been a few updates that have kind of like screwed me up. So I've had to readjust my list and like make huge points changes. And like, it, it really did change like how they fundamentally worked. And so like units I had fully ready to go and like now out the table, I've got to like readjust. Uh, so I've been hardcore hitting tabletop simulator, which now that I kind of understand tabletop simulator much more, uh, it's way like you know you know like uh when something's like foreign to you and you're not sure like uh it's like man i don't even know where to get started on this and so like that's how i was with like tabletop simulator i was like man like i wouldn't even know how to begin playing heresy do they even have tables to play on do they like how how like rough is it and all that jazz um it's extremely easy oh yeah um you name it they got it you name it, they got it. You just save the models as objects, and you just take those models, and you, like, in your own little just, just collection. In, just import your STLs that you yeah. already got. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. And so uh, I've got my entire, anything, like, pretty much anything even available to Death Watch. I went through all these different uh, workshops and got all of that stuff. And then I was like, screw it while I'm here. Let me go ahead and just... Uh, grab everything like Blood Angels I can for the Horus Heresy side. So I built up like a Horus Heresy army and tabletop simulator. And then like on the, uh, I guess like uh, on the back end, it's like so community driven. They've, they've essentially made it extremely easy to roll dice in there. Extremely oh, yeah. easy for missions and extremely yeah. easy to... Anything uh, tabletop or board game, card game, stuff like that. There's a there's a package for it by somebody in the community. A full community has like made tables. They've made models. Some people have even 3D scanned their models. And I was actually like looking at it and I was like, man, I was like, I'm thinking about this. Like I've got to make my army. And then what I'll do is I'll go and scan my army and then upload it. And I was like, well, actually I need to scan like one guy from a squad. Yeah. And then you just copy and paste them 10 times. And then like one commander... And then, like, you know, it's it like truly, like, I can go scan one of my predators right now and have a full, uh, uh, a full armored spearhead list, right? For sure. Like, I don't have to actually do anything else. Like, you just do that one thing. You scan one. Like, I have everything that I need to scan my Blood Angels to make a full Blood Angels army in a tabletop simulator. And so, like, with that in mind, I've been on the 40K side, me and Tyler have been just absolutely like grinding games in uh, as fast as we can uh, to kind of bring in new units that we don't have yet to see if they're worth buying, to see if it's even worth taking to like a competitive event and things like that. And so uh, kind of after Warzone Houston, we kind of see like we saw how things have shaken out as far as how the the new balance update is going. There's some some factions that have come up that we weren't expecting to to do as well as they did shout out powerful colin and shout out powerful ryan some of the original stiff one guys uh colin mcdade and ryan bridges uh absolutely so colin took first place at wars on houston on the 40k side and ryan bridges took ninth place out of like 
a hundred plus, you know, 150 oh, yeah. plus, uh, uh, players. So yeah, they packed that hall with 40 K. Yeah. It's wild. So, uh, I mean, that being said, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a, a long grind and a long, long stride to actually get to that level. But now not having, cause that was one of the big things that I was struggling with was having tabletop ready models to go play <laughs> practice games with. And it's kind of one of the things like people would make fun of me in the shop for was like, like, bro, just play your models on paint. It's like, no, I can't do it. It's like, you don't understand. Like, truly, truly, my every time they would talk about that, they're like, oh, just don't paint it. I was like, well, what if it's bad? I was like, what if, what's the problem? What if it is bad? It's like, if I go and play this unit that I didn't paint, that I put together and I assembled, and I put it on the table, and it's bad, and I never play it again, I will never have motivation to paint it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's why I have two Blood Angels Vindicators in Horse Heresy, they're awful. <laughs> like I've got two blood angels basilisks and horse heresy. They're awful. Did I know they were awful? I had an idea they were awful, but before I ever played them, I painted them so that I could put them on the table and then hate them. That's part of testing. You have to un- like, like you have to play it with the emotional investment. Yeah, it's hundred percent. If I'm like, oh, maybe this will make it in the list. Maybe I just drop it. I don't really know. I don't really care. That model's not going to do as well as it could. Dude, I'm telling you, tabletop simulator. It's like. This seems like a weird combination, but just might work the way I see it. And then you play it, and you're like, oh, that's that's why nobody's doing that. That makes sense. Yeah, okay. I'm glad I didn't invest $400 into this unit. Or it this works <laughs> until your opponent uses this generic stratagem. Yeah, until your opponent goes, uh, mm, I know what you're trying to do, <laughs> but don't do that. So... Uh, tabletop simulator we've been getting really deep into that it's uh taking quite a bit of time i started streaming on tiktok Ooh. it's wild like that is a whole nother thing like on the tiktok side it's like all the questions all the time while i'm trying to play a game of warhammer it's like <laughs> it's like imagine being at your store playing a game and like some kids like what is this <laughs> you're like oh it's warhammer now imagine i've got 400 some kids asking <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> i was i took the most the most asked questions, which was, how do I do this? Is this 10th edition? <laughs> what is this? What game is this? What, like who, what, what, the, what, who's, uh, uh, who's playing who? And I put them on a scroller and you just have to wait on the scroller. Oh, there's your first mistake. No, you put that where people don't have to wait. And, and those are like immediately the first questions are like, Hey, what is this ninth or 10th edition? And I'm like, it says it right there. <laughs> like, I was getting mad. <laughs> I was like, I'm trying to, like, my I'm getting my ass whooped. They have assets for the, the unit cards. <laughs> I'm like, I am getting my ass handed to me right now. <laughs> do not play with me, kid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just do everything at the same time. What's wrong, like, what's wrong with that? Is that too much to ask? Just, just stress your brain, going through all the scenarios, playing a game of Warhammer, and engage chat, answer all their questions. <laughs> I am fighting for my life against these Votan. <laughs> these squats. They are beating the shit out of my death watch. And I have nothing I can do. And this kid just asked me, <laughs> is this Roblox? I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> how, how do I get free Robux? <laughs> so but yeah so i've been doing a lot of that so i've been painting up a bunch of death watch mm-hmm. uh powerful will actually contacted me apparently at some point he wanted to go death watch did not it, it, it wasn't about 40k 
So he's got this like mega Death Watch army he's sending my way. Damn. Uh, so, uh, dude, I was kind of looking at Death Watch too, kind of because uh, with tenth edition, everybody's been like surging forty k right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wouldn't it be funny if I just like went to all the Space Marine players and said, "Hey, uh, Inquisition tax, give me a couple of your unused models." Yeah, exactly. You and definitely. I was, I was joking about doing that. And I actually had a couple people like, "Oh hell yeah, that's a cool idea," and like hand me some stuff, dude. Uh, uh, the- I ended up not doing that, and I, I did return those models. Oh, why'd you do that? Well, because I, f- I felt bad, like, looking at them, and then, like, oh, yeah, I'm probably not going to do Death Watch. So Dude, I just kind of, like, scammed everyone out of a bunch of murders. Death Watch is fun. Absolutely, Death Watch is a good time. Uh, the only thing that sucks about it that I got to figure out is the decals. Mm. I don't I don't like molded shoulder pads. Oh, no, decals are the way to go every time. So I have a bunch of, like, painted shoulder pads, and, like, even in my TikTok, what I did was I did, like, a... Uh, I did... I I had people ask a or I originally asked a uh, like a lore question mm-hmm. and whoever guessed it would get uh, uh, would get to pick what legion the shoulder pad was okay and then I said okay well you guessed it you think of a lore question whoever gets that answer I'll paint whatever legion they want and I did that and like basically That's a really cool rolling thing yeah well it was like. Uh, two of my like heavy listeners until chat bands together without saying anything and all decides to say the same chapter. Uh, well, actually, it was like pretty much uh, uh, Helen Griffins, Raptors, Cacardons. <laughs> you can kind of see where this theme is going. Oh, so you just got the best of Bedab War? <laughs> it was all Bedab War. <laughs> like, it was like it was Star Phantoms. <laughs> to, yeah, I have Star Phantoms, Nova Marines. Like, it was just like nonstop, like Bedab War. <laughs> Legions is like. And I'm like, where you do you like expect fire, from- You got like a Firehawks Black Shield? I have in there. a fire, uh, Firehawks in there. Yeah, no, 100%. It's but, like, uh, I don't know if I should keep this. Uh, he'll be fine. They tried to return me to my chapter and they got no response. <laughs> he'll be fine. He'll be fine. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so the thing is like finding, let alone, like I could probably go out and source like salamander decals, ultramarine decals. I don't know where I'm going to find firehawks, uh, Nova Marines, like raptors, like cacardons. Where am I supposed to find these decals at without like buying individual sheets of decals? So that's I'm, a, that's a head scratcher. Yeah. I'm gonna have to start printing decals. I think is ultimately what's going to have to happen. And then just paint it white, slap the decal on, and then go from there. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Because that, that's the issue with printing decals is um, unless you have a very expensive printer, you're not going to be able to print white. So you have to lay down a coat of white, throw the decal on top, and then it has what it looks supposed to look like, and then you paint around it. Yeah. Unless, th- what you could also do is take the same like print reduce it to like a vector or something and then print that out stencils. Yeah. I'm just like going to break it or something cut and then just put that stencil, which is the exact figure of the decal. Use that as a stencil, just paint it white and then slap the decal on top of that. Yeah. My plan is just to go expensive printer out. <laughs> like that's, that's, that's the plan. I mean, Hey, if you've got that, <laughs> I think that's just what I'm going to do. Like, then, it's just, Hey, then the sky's the limit. You can make decals for whatever you want. I'm tired of decals not being available when I want them. So, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and just go get one of these fancy printers. Okay. So, I mean, you know what the question after that becomes, right? 
What's that? RFID cows win. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You're Not right. A million years. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that that's a that's been a thing. Um for our, for October, well, I also paint up some salamanders. Uh some Infernus marine salamanders. Nice. There's a uh, uh a TikToker named Hoodguard who is an exceptional like lore master uh he has a a uh a book club and they do like a lot of book club stuff where like they they talk about um all these different uh uh like essentially like lore and books and all this jazz they just like have like a group meeting every wednesday where they they get together and talk about that and he loves salamanders but doesn't uh uh doesn't actually play but he had this thing where like people submit him models and I was like seeing some of some of the salamanders he had and like all 40k stuff and I was like you don't have infernus marines <laughs> like that's like standard my guy so I painted up five infernus marines I, I it felt good to kind of get stand away stand there owning a salamander's army and tell me you don't have <laughs> one squad of infernus marines if one guy does not have any sort of flaming <laughs> anything <laughs> just, just full joe dirt yeah so uh, I ended up sending him, or, or I painted him up. I haven't sent them yet to him because I, I still got to f- put the bases on him. Uh, is uh, an infer- a five man Inferno squad of uh, of of Marines, and I, I used the Monument Hobbies paint. So I did like the Monument Hobbies green and all that jazz, and, and it just came out so nice, dude. That green oh. is so vivid; it's so, it pops so much. Oh yeah. So uh, that was a good time. And then for Orktober, a uh, powerful gold mine. Yes. They have a, a 40K Ork event where uh, you have to have a single model entered by the 20th. I found and sourced a Grot tank, one of the uh, Forge World Grot tanks uh, from Powerful, Powerful Josh over at Grim Brothers Powder Coating. Love you, Josh. And uh, I wanted to. Like, have you ever seen in the, uh, uh, like in the the miniature painting community, like for the tanks and stuff like that, they do like there's this one. There, there's a very specific one. It's like a M1 Abrams, and like it's jumping a hill at the same time where it's shooting, and they put like LED effects in it. Have you yeah. ever seen that? I can imagine it looking dope though. Okay, but so that, that's like the proto, like or like the the archetypical like. Hey, everybody sees this and like inspired a bunch of similar projects. Let me see here, because there's a a uh, oh, I spelled Abraham, not Abram. Is that autocorrect going going rogue again? Yeah, hold on. Abram tank LED model. So there's one where it's like it, it's. It's like leaping while shooting at the same time. It's like a like a famous diorama. Yeah, I spelled dioramas. Is that there it? There it is. Yep, that's okay. it. Oh, dude. So you see how it's like leaping and firing at the same time and like all that that's jazz. That's dope. It's called the De- diorama desert hero, and this guy actually like goes like how to make it and all that jazz. Like he's got a whole YouTube that, video like, documented. Yeah, and. uh I was oh, like, that is substantial. I thought that was like Flames of War scale. That is, yeah, it's a it's a big model, right? It's like what one sixty scale. Yeah, it's pretty thick. See, he used actual cotton 
but I don't know. It didn't work for me. But uh, uh, essentially, I wanted to do that, but on a grot tank. Hell yeah. I wanted to do a little mini diorama where grot is like driving his tank, put a little LED in it, do like a smoke cloud. So Iron Maiden playing. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I wanted it to. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to go. You know, do what oh, this he's, guy's he's doing. He's machining the round. Yeah, yeah. He's actually uh, going way deeper than I would have gone. See, he's got really strong LEDs though. That's that's where I screwed up. But either way, the plan is to. I, I've already painted this grot model, right? Or this a grot tank model. Mm-hmm. Let me show you real quick. This is the not the best pictures, but okay. But you can see where... Oh, yeah. No, that, that weathering is dope. There he is. Ooh. So this is the grout model, the grout tank model. So there he is in the light booth. Okay. And so mm-hmm. I, I painted it red so it'll go faster. And then I did, like, all of the damage and all that jazz. It's a little baby tank. It's a little baby grout tank. It's probably... I don't, if you've never seen a grout tank, it's, like, the size of a teacup. Like, it's not very big. Uh, it originally had this barrel on it that was, like, for, like... It looked like a 30-cal machine gun. Okay. And so I chopped that off and then I measured like that. A, like a big shooter, maybe? Yeah, a big shooter. I measured that hole. Okay. And what that was there. And I designed up a demolisher cannon for that area and, and printed it out. And then I also put a hole in that 3D print so I could fit a five millimeter LED in there. And I, I ordered an orange LED, got that online. I wanted to hook it up through USB so I can just leave a USB battery. And then I wanted to have this guy essentially launching, lobbing a demolisher round. I wanted to put smoke behind it and this like yeah. lobbing, like mid shooting, like this insanely big round for this little <laughs> tank, right? And uh, although my LED looks exceptionally bright here. Mm-hmm. It that's, was that's a healthy glow. It was weak sauce after I put the the black on there. So I did all this painting. I, I like did a whole session where I weathered this guy up, got him fully painted, got him super weathered, got him like like to a high standard, got him detailed. I did the uh, the rust effects from uh, uh, Dirty Down on his muffler. Oh, that stuff's good. That's good and stuff. so like this right here, this it's like l- 20 bucks a vial, but that stuff's that's real stuff. Yeah. Like this right here, this, a uh, uh, piece of like tin covering it. That's all rust effects. Oh dude. And so like, it looks good. Like it looks really like real rust, all this stuff. Like it looks like a beat up little tank yeah. shooting a demolisher cannon, which would be insane. <laughs> this thing would just explode apart. If it, it tried that, throw it back. Pretty yeah. Heavy. So that's what I wanted to do. But somehow, like this LED, like so, so essentially I'm working on this. I get everything going. I order my LEDs. I get it in from Amazon. I cut the wire. I hook it up to USB. I power it on. I'm like, yes, it's, it lives, right? It's, <laughs> I run the wire through all the holes that I've made and like pre-planned for and all this jazz. And I have this like single five, five millimeter, five volt LED. I put my little polycarbonate rod in there and I light it up and it's like, it's like the weakest LED I've ever seen in my life. Aww. Like this homie, he's got these big giant LEDs. I need to figure out what kind those are. He's got like the LED strip. Yeah, because look at that. Oh, yeah. That is a healthy LED. It's hella strong. Yeah, so either way, that's what I wanted it to look like, but it looks nothing like that right now. So look how bright that is. Jesus. 
I think he, he might even be using white. Yeah, I probably got to switch to white. I, I think he, I think he is using white, and he airbrushed it orange. So, but this is the well, this is the effect I wanted to go for inside of a uh, a cobalt keep display, like one of their rectangle displays. I wanted to uh, make the like stack two two uh, foam core things on top of each other and then cover them in dirt and all that jazz put a bunch of uh, uh geek gaming gravel down there and just like seal it all up and make it like a little display where it's like it's just a little goblin just blasting just this demolisher cannon across the battlefield uh but yeah uh didn't happen the way i thought it was going to happen and like a se- the second i realized it wasn't going to work and i was going to have to pivot and like do something else and like maybe even like redesign something and all stuff. I was like, I'm going to go play tabletop simulator. <laughs> I'm done. I'm never coming to this desk again. I like get really mad at projects when they don't work out. Take it personally. Yeah. I'm just like, you know what? Never mind. I want to do something fun. I'm not going to do it. Well, I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing to do because then you take that process and you, you effectively shift it to like the background process of your brain. Oh yeah. Yeah. So instead of sitting there thinking about it, like you can't generate new information on it. Oh, I'm I'm back. Like, but, it, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Just in the background process, then eventually something does get connected. It's like, oh, I bet I could try this. Yeah. Well, like even when I was talking to you about it, you're like, oh yeah, I use cotton balls. I was like, cotton balls. No, I use cotton. <laughs> like cotton. I was like, wait, yeah, cotton balls does make more sense than cotton. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? Thank you, Derek. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. So I'm a great wall to bounce ideas off of. So, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so, uh, but no, I've still got work to do on that. I've got to the 20th before it needs to be turned in. So I got a couple weeks. Uh, I can get it done by then. Oh, the model's I'm, painted. I'm not worried about that. The model's painted. It's just getting the LEDs working and then the, getting the, the base. The back end. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to get that working. So anyway, I don't have any doubt. I know you got it. We'll find out. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So what have you been working on Derek? All right, so uh, coming back from Warzone, I'm going to circle back around to that and kind of go do a breakdown of that. Uh, you heard me last episode. I was a little bit congested. You know, got a little bit of that confunk. Uh, kind of spent the, that whole week just kind of on sabbatical. Like, I'm not, I don't have to worry about projects right now. I'm just, like, focusing on getting back into it and focus on kicking this cold. Uh, been tested, not COVID. Nice. Uh, the next, the, the following week, so this would have been last weekend, uh, I went uh, to run a PA gig with my dad and spent basically 30 of a 30, 30 hours of a 36 hour period in a field setting up, maintaining, and then breaking down a PA. Okay. And uh, we had a very near industrial accident type situation go down. Oh, classic. Yeah. So are you familiar with a chain fall hoist? No, I'm not familiar with that one bit. So it's a hook with what is essentially like a, a gearbox on it. And then it's got a chain coming down with a hook. And then it's got another chain attached to it in a loop that you pull to crank to yes. raise and lower the hook like a garage door. Normally you'll see that on garage doors, yes. Yeah, well this, it raises up a chain with a hook. As that goes up, there's like a loop of slack that comes down. Okay. So we had that attached to the top of a stage. And beneath that, we had attached... Uh, my dad, his P, his line arrays, as well as another PA group, uh, they had the same speakers, the same uh, line speakers, and the same subs that my dad uses. Okay. So we were able to connect them together, and so we had this like massive combined PA. 
and I've got some pictures here I can show you. So basically this massive, massive block of speakers. Oh my goodness, that's huge. Yeah. It's like eight speakers that are each about the size of like a hefty PC. Yes. Attached together, run up. Well, we go to break down the stage at the end of the at the end of the gig, and we're cranking down one of them. So the hook's cranked all the way up, which means the slack is in a loop, basically as far down as it's going to get. Right. And the hook is attached to a shackle, which is held onto a steel frame with a pin that has a cotter pin holding it in. Right. And that frame attaches to mounting points on the speaker, which is attached to the speaker below, which is attached to the speaker below. We have the same kind of mounting points. Yeah. Okay. So we go to crank this down, and my dad's cranking on it, pulling on it. It's coming down. And at one point, it like hitches, and he's like, hmm. Okay. Well, he goes, and it's like not cranking anymore. He's like, okay. Well, no, okay. It's going up. I guess I must have gotten switched or something. Because we're tired. We've been like working in this field, like setting this stuff up, standing there in the sun. So he's like, okay, yeah, I guess I just got the chains backwards. So he's cranking it, and now it starts coming down. One of the guys from the uh, other PA crew comes up and is like, hey, I think you're cranking it backwards. Like, well, why is it coming down? Oh, Jesus. So, okay. Okay. It's like, yeah, okay, you know what? You're right. If it's coming down, you're doing it right. Whatever. Well, we get almost, we gets down a little bit further and I see, I look up and I see the hook doesn't have anything on it. The hook is going up with no, with no load on the hook. And I'm like, wait a minute. What, this doesn't make any sense. Come over, stop what you're doing. Go around that. Come over here and look at what I'm looking at. He's like, oh, oh no. So that loop of slack basically had caught onto the corner, the pin holding that shackle in. And oh. like the, the, the cotter pin had like got it hooked on one of the links in the slack. So as it cranked down, eventually that, that, that slack is coming back so the hook can come down. So as that starts going up, eventually that takes the weight off of the hook. So the hook, now with no weight on it, the hook failed somehow. Where like it, Normally it's got like a, a spring clip yeah. that you have to like push in for it to bring out the whatever you've got on the hook. Right. Well, somehow without the, the load on it, the hook was able to like go sideways or something happened. Couldn't see because there's a speaker in the way where the hook came loose. Oh, Lord. So now all of the weight of that, like, eight speakers plus a steel frame is just on that loop side of the of the chain. Oh, God. Uh, that gearbox is not meant for that. No, definitely not. So after he, like, switched and it was coming down, it was cranking real easy to the point where he could just, like, give it a little tug and it would just kind of, like, start spinning on its own and, like, slowly yeah. bringing the load down. Eventually it had stopped and that's what it, what it had caught because that part of the, that part of the chain it was caught on had reached the bottom of that loop. And so it wasn't able to go up either side Yeah, because yeah. the, the gear ratios on it is meant to handle a load on one side, but not the other. Yeah. Okay. And so we're like, Hey, so I like get up on stage. I'm like looking at it. I'm like, I, yeah, it looks like we're hooked on the side of the shackle. Like we're hooked on the pin holding the shackle on. It's like, oh, okay, so nobody touched this thing. Yeah, it's uh, like two tons ready to kill somebody. <laughs> like, uh, it's like a like a uh, like a six hundred pounds. Like, it's it's a lot of weight. Okay. And then they curved the bottom of the speakers, like the way that they mounted them, were like curved down so that they like give them more full volume. So this thing would hypothetically drop and then just fall forward. Yeah. And just crush whatever's in front of it. 
expensively crush them. <laughs> yeah, the most <laughs> like a like a very high end car <laughs> crushing you. Yeah, so <laughs> like the insurance company is probably more concerned about the value of the speakers than you at that point. Ah, people are expensive. <laughs> human body's worth a lot of money. So, so we get my dad's partner over here to look at it, and he's like, "Wait, how the hell? What? How the hell did this happen? How'd y'all do this?" And then they get the other PA guys coming over, looking at it, they're like, "Oh, how how did this happen? How I didn't? We couldn't have recreated this if we tried." Yeah. Okay. So eventually, what that happened was, uh, we got like a man lift or something out here. So we got somebody up to like attach like a sling with hooks on either end. That's I think I guess they had one that's rated for this. Attach it to the hook and then attach it to the shackle. Oh, a come along. They had a come along. Yeah, like a come along kind okay. of situation. Uh, and then with that hook, they were able to get like a forklift over there to like relieve the hook or relieve the weight off of the, the side and then lower it back down until the come along went taut. Yeah. And then crank it down from there. Okay. But it's like, Hey, so uh, we're just going to rope off this little area. Uh, nobody come within like 10 feet of this thing. Nice. Uh, one of the other guys who was like, uh, just kind of like, uh, like general help. Like he was one of the promoters, like go to guys. He's like coming over here as we're like trying to like hook stuff up. He's like, and it's swinging just a little bit. Cause it's on a chain. He's like, he like goes to like grab it to steady. We're like, no, 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 no. Like, like for, for a second, he kind of looked like, like offended that we're like, you know, stopping him. Cause like those people like, like put their hands on like, Hey, whoa, 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 don't, no, 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 no. Cause he like, he got within inches of touching this thing. And they're like, no, look, come over here and look at what you were about to touch. And he looks, he sees, and he just, his eyes go wide and he just turns around and walks away. Yeah, no, leave it to, leave it to the big boys right now. Uh, there's a reason none of us are, are close to this. Thing. <laughs> we didn't all just not want to grab it. <laughs> so yeah, we got very fortunate that that didn't fall and we just had the tools to get that kind of fixed. But after that, we're still not sure exactly what had happened. Like the, cause we examined the hook afterwards and it looked like it was working. Okay. Yeah. But uh, like on the drive back, my dad's like, shoot, we, yeah, no, we're taking those hooks off. We're moving to some kind of like shackle system. Yeah, may as well. He's like, hey, over at my work, we stopped using hooks like years ago. I should have thought and just done that here too. Mm, well. And uh, fortunately, we had somebody watching out for us and we didn't have a uh, incident. Well, it's industrial accidents I hear so much about. I guess I never really, like when you showed me that, I've seen that set up like, I've been to a lot of shows. Yeah, and I've seen that shut up, set up like quite a bit, but I've never once thought about the dudes who have to put that up, the Derricks out there that are like <laughs> almost getting crushed by this stuff. Yeah, I've got another. Hey, let me ask you something now, as as a uh, as like a you know essentially a a sound engineer fella in the background, professional, um, semi trained quasi professional. So, did you ever have you ever gone to a Thirty Seconds of Mars show? No. Okay. Well, Jared Leto okay. is like known for. Um, oh yeah, I forgot. I unplugged my keyboard. Oh. Of, uh, oh yeah, the cats because of powerful spoopy. Yeah. So Jared Leto is like known for Thirty Seconds of Mars, climbing. So like uh, Jared Leto is like known for this nonsense. 
Oh, where he just like climbs up on stuff and just get, gets a little wild with the space. Well, like you're talking about like what you were doing and like, it sounds like, like Jared Leto would have died and he's done this like at every show I've ever seen him. Oh, don't tell me he jumps and like grabs the swinging line array. Like, yeah, yeah. Like he, oh. he does, he climbs on top of it sometimes. Okay. Well that's the subs. No, 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 no. I'm talking okay. about like at this point in the video. He's yeah, here we go. Okay. So he's climbing up on the, like the stage rigging, which, uh, I would say is generally frowned upon, but he is not the first guy at this event to have done that. I can guarantee that. Uh, the people setting that up have probably climbed up there for some reason to, to, you know, fix some kind of issue. So he's like at the top of one of the main like riggings that go up and hold up the the top of the top of the stage, the lighting, lighting rigs, stuff like that. And he's just kind of, like, I guess, swinging from it mid song, still singing. Like, I want to say like he's been like I've seen him in like a taste of chaos and all that stuff. Like he's been on top of those like like sitting on them like the the speakers like, like not that. the subs, but the other speakers that are suspended in the air. Yeah, yeah that's that's the line array. Yeah, so like this right here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's like been on top of them, like at one of the concerts I went to. So like in that case, he would have just died. Well, no, because it was fine during the show. Okay. It's as we were cranking it down, that's when it got, because uh, before then the, the hook was all the way up. I gotcha. Like if it was like that during the show, there, we wouldn't have been able to get it that high. Because if it, if it was hanging on the slack with the hook just dangling, the hook had been lower than the speaker's. I gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so it was fine during the show. It's just somehow when we were cranking it down as the slack was going up that had caught on the, the shackle. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. And we like, like we spent most of the drive home trying to figure out how that had happened. Okay. I was curious. Cause I've never thought about the, uh, the actual intricacies of the sound on a, <laughs> at any concert I've ever been to. <laughs> I just assumed that stuff didn't move. Oh. <laughs> it just stayed there. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the goal is uh, nobody there thinks about it except for the guys who put it up there. Yeah, good job. <laughs> I have a newfound respect for every event I go to from here on out. Yeah, which, I mean, it, the way that most of those stages, at least the one that we had done, it's like a the back of a, like a, a semi-truck, like the trailer part of it, where the sides go up to form like the roof, and then there's another wall behind that that folds down. Yeah. And then that goes up like until it's about 20 feet tall. Okay. Yeah. So before they crank it up, that's when we attach like our lights. We attach the chain fall hoist. Uh, basically as much as they'll let us put on there before, because they don't want too much weight on it when they crank it up. Because the, otherwise the hydraulic system, they don't want too much stress on it. And then once it's all the way up and locked, then it's more secure to like, you know, send 1200 pounds of speakers up. Love it. Okay. Anyway, so I did that last weekend, and then I got home from that just feeling sicker than I felt in the past like week. So that oh. just like set my recovery back, and that's kind of why I've been quiet since then. Is that just kind of like reset the clock on my uh, post-event sabbatical? Just dying, slowly dying, yeah, dying. I had a, a doctor's appointment I had scheduled, and so I had some stuff done, and then just came back, and I'm just like, I would like to sleep for a couple days. Uh, wake me up this weekend. <laughs> Uh, then uh, on Friday, played Battletech with some of the guys. They've been getting into the Battletech at the shop. I've seen that. Uh, I was asking about that, and I was like, hey, so I don't know nothing about this. People, I, I know a little bit. People tell me stuff. I've forgotten all of it. What faction am I playing? Yep. You, you know me, so just say a faction, and that's what I'm going to play. So 
one of my friends is like, all right. And they, they kind of talked amongst themselves for a little bit. And they're like, all right, we got it. Clan Wolf in Exile. I'm like, cool. I lied. I'm just going to research that. And then they, they start telling me stuff about it. And then they're like, oh, yeah. And then the Wolf's Dragoons. And I'm like, tell me more about these guys. These guys sound rad. <laughs> and uh, so they tell me more about the, that particular faction of it's like half clan, half mercenaries. So they can kind of have literally anything. Granted, everybody can already kind of literally have anything, but they, you know, they just inexplicably have some weird stuff. Those are the uh, Halloween boys, right? Wolf Dragoons? Uh, don't know what you mean, Halloween boys. Aren't they orange and black? In that thing? Uh, one of their battalions, I think, might be. Okay, that, I think that's what I think of whenever I Each battalion has like a different color scheme. They're the ones that have like the, the Black Widow. So yes. one of their battalions is like black and red. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm like, okay. Those guys. Hell yeah. Uh, I had accidentally stumbled onto what was the main character of Battletech for a while in that faction. Okay. So that's why they get a lot of cool stuff. For a lot of the books, they, they were just kind of the main characters. Um, I looked at some of the different color schemes they had, picked one of their battalions, Zeta Battalion. It's like the black. And then looked into them a little bit, and it's like, oh, they're known for using mostly assault mechs. So just like they roll up with all the biggest stuff they can bring and just solve the problem. <laughs> just handle business. <laughs> all right. Well, that's what I'm doing. I don't want to put more thought into this than that. Easy peasy. So played a test game, had a lot of fun, and then went home and like spent the rest of the night like painting up a battle master. Oh, nice. You got pictures? No. So unfortunately, I didn't prime it. Or I, I primed it, but I didn't clean it. And they said some of the catalyst stuff, they kind of have some issues with mold release. Oh, no. Yeah. It, even then, I'm still kind of getting used to the scale. Okay. So I tried to do kind of like my normal vehicle method where I do nope. like, I do like volumetric lighting on it. And it's already a black scheme. Yep. So that didn't work. Uh, it looked all right. And then I like did some edge highlighting here and there, like for emphasis. And then I did like a gloss wash to like try to get some of the recesses. I didn't really like the different finish on it. So I came back and I matted it down and then it didn't look like I did anything to it. I will say uh, that Battletech minis, especially the new ones mm-hmm. are, they take, contrast paint very well okay i might look into that then very very well because i do like the color scheme of that zeta battalion especially the like amber cockpit glow yeah oh yeah so i'm i'm still kind of like experimenting with it and then paint was like rubbing off in some spots rough yeah so i'm gonna have to repaint that uh picked up a box so i could get me a marauder 2 there you go and just been kind of grooving on that for a little bit I'm surprised you're not 3D printing mix. Yeah. I mean, they have one at the shop and the, the catalyst ones are just priced pretty well. Yeah. Like the, the the past few years, Battletech has been real easy to get into. That's what I hear. I hear good things. Like you can go to your Target and get models and stuff yeah, like that. They got them at Target. They, the, I was actually looking. They've got like a Wolf's Dragoon faction pack. It's like a Barnes & Noble exclusive. Oh, okay. So you can find a, a B&N. Or I can order it. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. I was like, well, we got to go to Houston. We got to figure out some stuff. What's up? We got we to gotta try. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Just <laughs> we do live in the modern age. Yeah. Just go, go and grab it. That's fine. I mean, I was looking at some of the stuff that they've like been known for running and some of the more like, 
I'm going to say dated Max, like the imp, where it's just this giant head on legs with okay. like, guns. Okay. But yeah, so st- stuff like that I could absolutely print. And I'm looking at like what would be an interesting table and like what could I print for that? But uh, I think they did recently announce that the new wave of like the Mark III box for Heresy will be on pre-order soon. And that's kind of what I was waiting for to put off my next project. Yep. Yep. Your death guard or what? <laughs> I mean, probably. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's classified. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of what I've been up to. Fantastic, dude. That's awesome. And yeah. Then, uh, all, all that's left, I guess, is that is going to Warzone. Yeah. A more in depth. Definitely. All right. So it was two weeks ago. Uh, we went up there Thursday night because I still had stuff going on during the day. Normally, we go up a little early, like help help set up the venue and just kind of like rub elbows and just get that out of the way so we can like chill for a little bit before we have to go straight into stuff. Yeah. Uh, this time, we had to go up like late on Thursday just so we could get some rest and then Friday morning roll into it and get ready for the mega battle, stuff like that. Uh, I think this was at like a Hilton Garden Suites. Something like that. I know it was like something bridge. Stay bridge? Oh, okay. It was like a Hilton Stay Bridge Suites. Yeah. yeah. I think it was like like under the Hilton umbrella. Yeah, Stay Bridge Suites. Yeah, no, it definitely was under the Hilton umbrella. Uh, no, I IHG. So, uh, Holiday Inn. Okay. Yep. Either, either way, yep. So, the, the hotel is pretty nice. There was a couple people that I guess had some issues with their rooms. Like uh, some parts were just kind of like a little ragged. I, I, I did hear about the uh, the AC situation in some rooms where people had like refrigerators and freezers open to cool the rooms down. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, we, we were very fortunate that our room had no issues whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> it, it was like it was a proper suite. So it had like a little kitchen area, like a little living room, like a, like a couch with like a TV set up. And then in the other room you had beds. Lovely. Uh, the the kitchen worked just fine. We had brought food, so we weren't like eating out all the time. So like, usually we would stay there and like for lunch we have like sandwich stuff and like chow down on that instead of like you know hitting up a uh, food truck or this that and just, just kind of like you know save some money where we can. Right. Which I do love food trucks. Like I, like as a general thing, some of my favorite restaurants have been food trucks. Yep. Uh, the ones they had there looked really nice. Uh, I didn't get a chance to get one though. But the, the, like I said, the kitchen worked great for the, like, storing our food there and then throwing it in the ice chest to take to the venue and all that went off without a hitch. So Friday we get there and Cody's setting up the mega battle that he's running. And we had two, two tables that were each, like, four tables put together long ways. So uh-huh. two long tables. One of them was the Forge Moon of Ulan Huda. Very cool. Which okay. emerged out of warp space to devour planets. The planet Ruby Ruby's Harvest. Yeah. And those are the two tables. Okay. So I brought my Legio Interfector Warbringer and Kayla was running my House uh, House Viridian Knights. So we were running traders for the Mega Battle. Uh the traders kind of figured out the they looked kind of at the the format they were doing. They had the old apocalypse style time bid where you bid how long you would have to set up. And that's all you can set up in place first turn. Once your timer is done, you're done setting up. Right. The other team sets up. 
basically whoever bids the shortest amount of time gets to set up and go first. Right. But that team only has that amount of time to set up. And then the other team doesn't have a time limit. Right. But then uh, there was like up to this much of your total force would be on the table guaranteed turn one. And then this much would walk on turn two, like percentages of your the total points. Right. So the traders were kind of talking about it like, hey, so this much will be on the table turn one anyway. So why don't we just bid, you know, 10,000 years for our time? Oh, look, they won the time bid. They set up and go first and then we deploy nothing turn one. Okay. Because that amount of stuff will just walk on turn one anyway. Okay. So I hear this plan and I'm like, uh, technically I think that works. I think you guys should have a backup plan in case the organ in case, you know, Cody, the organizer is like, Hey, uh, no, quit your shit. <laughs> <laughs> that is not how the game is played. <laughs> so I walked away from that conversation and I was talking to, uh, John who was also playing uh, local John, not, uh, accountability buddies, John. And he was, he was also playing trader and he's like, Hey, are they really going to be doing this? I'm like, yeah, I told him they should probably have a backup plan. I think the plan now is that instead we're just all going to deploy on one table yes. instead of scattering to both tables and then just tear up one table. And then once we got that handled, there's portals to go back and forth and, and shenanigans abound. Right. And he's like, Oh my God, really? I'm like, no, of course not. Uh, what I didn't know is that they had separately from that joke arrived at the same conclusion and uh, Cody heard that that was their plan when it came time for them to deploy. And they said, all right, cool, we're deployed. And he looks and sees they didn't deploy things and goes, okay, all right. The, the, format, the mission format was available in PDF on the Discord. Y'all can all see it. Uh, I guess, okay, cool. Loyalist, you have turn one. Anybody have anything like deep striking in or drop pods? What y'all got? And once Loyalist kind of figured out, oh, there's nothing on the table, Okay, cool. Where's the objectives? Okay, cool. So those are all ours. And uh, for good measure, we're just going to start deep striking stuff to like form lines across the yes. table. Yes. Crew wall style, <laughs> the baby. Crew wall. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the, the, the player playing Raven Guard for the event was currently running uh, Trader Knights. Caleb brought Raven Guard. They didn't have anybody else with like mass infiltrate. Right. Otherwise, that would have been pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what traders did not take into account is this means they were basically, like, yeah, they gave, they, they cost the loyalists a turn of shooting, but they were not able to contest any objectives, and now where they could walk onto the table was a little bit controlled. Okay. So traders were just kind of like down points the whole game, which is fine. Uh, I think, because who really keeps track of points during an apocalypse game? <laughs> Yeah, but other than that, it was pretty fun. Uh, it was a pretty good time. They they had uh, when they did come in, m- like eighty percent of the traders' forces were on uh, Ulan Huda. I didn't get that memo, so like me and Kayla said, me and Kayla and like Lance set up on uh, the other table, and we're like, wait, nobody else. It's just us. Oh, we're gonna get it's just smoked. like just like one Titan, like seven knights, and then some world leaders. Okay, well, there's a Lehman Rust like in our deployment zone. <laughs> He's he looks mad. He's yeah. He's he, a lot less chill than I heard he is. 
Uh, he didn't take too kindly to the, the chicanery. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, traders were just kind of like had an uphill, uphill game that whole fight. Uphill fight that whole game. But I had fun. It was a pretty good time. Uh, my Titan got absolutely lit up by every Titan on that board. And then went boom. Yeah. And then killed some knights around him or what? Yeah, a little bit. Because <laughs> everything was exploding max, right? Yes, everything that could explode did explode, and all of your dice rolls for the explosions were just maxed. So instead of rolling, it was just kind of cutting out rolls to like streamline it a little bit. And also, the craziest thing possible happens. And so, so, so having all of your knights and titans on the every one table knight becomes a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> so, so having everything on one table probably not the best idea. Uh, I mean, unless you want to see someone badass. (laughs) By the time I got over to kind of see what was going on over there, uh, I think they'd done pretty well on that table. But on the the greener table that I had deployed to, Loyola's pretty much, it was like kind of the opposite situation. Yep. So as outnumbered, we were equally outnumbered on this table as Loyalists were outnumbered on the other table. Which makes sense. I mean, that, statistically, that is exactly how that would work. But uh, John Christensen had, like, his whole night house on this table, and it was just wild. Dude, he, he rolled out with those knights. How many knights did he bring? I lost count. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. The, those are the, uh, like, red knights with the white stri- red, black and white stripes, right? Yes. I don't remember the name of the the house, but I did recognize the symbol as one of the like main houses. Yeah. It's the one that has like the triangular castle with like the yellow gear behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Dope army. A lot of work. Yeah. The the apocalypse gets a little too crazy for me to track. So I just kind of like focused in on what I could affect. Yep. Uh, And then I like check in a little bit with some other people around and kind of see how stuff's going. Particularly with like my, my like our stuff could come back as reinforcements, like an identical Titan and banner of knights i don't like oh my titan's destroyed okay it gets to come back as reinforcements as an identical one i'm not just gonna like put it where it was because it's like oh you destroyed the titan there was one behind him your your reward is another titan (laughs) that's fair yeah i I like to you know you know walk around to get different different parts of the table so i go and i deploy to the other table and just kind of like help them clean up some stuff over there uh, it was a pretty good game. Uh, Sanguinius tried to deep strike in and mishapped. Oh, poor Sanguinius. And instead of regular like deep strike mishaps, they like rolled for like a table. And the table was that the opposing player gets to place him on the opposing table. Oh, wow. Or on the, on the, on the opposite table. So I'm like, all right, cool. Sanguinius is going to go play with Commando. <laughs> good luck, Sanguinius. <laughs> good luck. Have fun. Did that happen? Yeah. Did Cabana roll house? Uh, I'm told, yes. With his hatred? Yeah. <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> yeah, that that is not a uh, fair fight. Did he uh, bane Sanguinius' Batman? <laughs> uh, something like that, I'm told, happened. Uh, I was thinking more Avengers, Hulk, and Loki. Yes. Good. <laughs> That's all I like to hear. That's right, Blood Angels. You have one angel you should follow. I mean, and he's actually a demon. <laughs> Oh, you know, better luck when you get Sanguinius Ascended. Oh, someday. But yeah, that was pretty much the Friday. They kind of just had the mega battle. They had some stuff going on after that, but I I was just kind of wiped because I had stuff going on the previous week. 
And I just kind of went and uh, crashed out at the hotel. Did you do anything cool? Did you get a cool dinner? Oh, uh, I don't remember what we did Friday night. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> All right. I was wiped, dude. I was like, like I, I was done. I was out of it. Lovely. So I go and I rest. Apparently, what had popped off, uh, that they had some after dark events. They had night jousting, which I'm told was a fantastic, arousing good time. Okay, as you would expect. And then they had the ever-popular Primark Thunderdome. Yes. Well, so recently, WWE did a crossover with Masters of the Universe. Okay. Like He-Man and stuff. Okay, yes. So as part of that crossover, they have a toy. It's like a Castle Grayskull-themed wrestling ring. All right. That they had picked up for the event specifically. Oh, okay. So they themed the Primark Thunderdome around a WWE Royal Rumble. <laughs> so every Primark did an initiative check to see your role on the roster. Because, you know, if you're first up, you start in the ring, your chances are not as good as the guy who shows up last. Nope. You, not if you're fresh, you know. Yeah, because that means you're fighting everybody. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> they did an initiative check to see where everybody is on the, on the roster. So, and then... There's like every turn a new Primark would show up. Did they let Cabana rumble? I don't believe so. Okay, that's fine. I didn't hear anything about Cabana being there, and I'm pretty sure if he was, I would have. <laughs> All right, that's fine. But uh, like everybody who like brought their Primark to, to play him, it's like, okay, so here's what's going on. WWE Royal Rumble. So you need to figure out what your intro song is and how they, how they show up. So uh, Alex from Louisiana, he's like, he was running curves. He's like, oh, dude, you know, he just undertakers it. Like the yeah. lights go out. 100%. Lights come back on and he's just standing there behind whoever's in the ring. 100%. Yeah. So like, like everybody was like getting into it. Like, like it was more than just like, okay, who wins in a fight? Oh, yeah. It was like. It's flashy. There, yeah. There was some showmanship to it. So it wasn't just like removing wounds. Like once your wounds were out, you basically your Primark felt like fell over. They weren't eliminated until somebody threw them out of the ring. So you could do like opposed strength checks to move, like pick people up and throw them and do stuff like that. Love it. Okay. So the the turn after you were KO'd, you could get up with one wound remaining. Very uh, cool. If you were on the ground, you could like look underneath the uh, underneath the stage and see if you find like a chair or something. Like they had stats for different wrestling weapons. Like one of them is just like strength user AP two brutal three. Is that the chair? I'm pretty sure that was the chair. <laughs> it feels like a chair. Yeah. <laughs> By God, it's Lehman Russ with a steel chair. Is it the number of attacks based on the user? So like, <laughs> I think so. Like I said, I was, I was really upset that I'd missed it because it sounded like an insanely good time. Yeah. Fun weapons. <laughs> like I, I got, I got the pictures and I heard, dude, everybody was hype off of that the next day. What was Sanguinius's, uh, Going on stage song. That's a fantastic question. Uh, that's why. That's one of the reasons I was like, oh, I can't believe I missed it. Because like that's like an RFI thing right there. It's like, hey, what's your wrestling intro? I wonder what Sanguinius's wrestling intro would be. I'm gonna have to think about that for a little bit. I bet we could we could figure it out. Maybe Stairway to Heaven, but that's a long one. That that takes a while to get to wrestling intro level. I'm trying to think what it would it be. I'll have to sit and think about it for a little bit. I'll come back next episode and talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure I could get the breakdown in like a little more in-depth. Somebody will call us and tell us what it is. <laughs> Dude, 
guys from Warzone, if y'all were there, call in because I only heard a little bit of what happened. So, like the the hype story, I know a bunch of hype stuff happened there. So, call in, let us know. <laughs> uh, and the night jousting too, like especially because like John Christian showed up, like he had his whole backstory for his knights. He's got titles. They got eighteen mile long names. Yes, I heard. We've heard the names. Yes. But yeah, I was kicking myself when I heard about all like when when everybody got back to the hotel room was like, dude, <laughs> like I was talking, I was talking to John Rich about it later. And he was like, dude, wait, they had a WWE because he did the same thing I did where like he had some stuff to like still had to like uh, finish up. Yeah, yeah. So like Friday night, he kind of went back and like rested because he's still kind of he was the same thing I was where he's a little bit out of it and had some stuff he had to do. He found out what he missed. And he was livid. He's like, they had a wrestling thing and I fucking missed it. <laughs> so, but I think that is the correct direction to take that event. Just because if it's who wins in a fight, if you throw like a Primark bracket together, I think we all kind of know. Like, Definitely, like they're different. They're good at different things. Some of them are better at fighting Primarks. Yeah, some of them are very good at fighting Primarks. So it comes down to like Russ Lion, uh, was a Horace. Oh, horse ascended, yeah. Whoops, everybody! <laughs> Just beats shit out of everybody. Uh, Ferris Manus with his brutal hammer. Yeah, yeah. But like you know, the the ones you expect, like oh, these are good at killing Primarchs. Turns out they're good in Primarch Thunderdome. <laughs> Sorry, Vulcan. <laughs> we know, we know. Uh, anyway, so Saturday comes around and we kick off the the main meat and potatoes event, which is going to be the three thousand point rounds uh round one i ended up playing night lords it was a custom mission all the missions were custom missions right and the mission was like uh there's three of the ridge eight uh haulers right and those are full of like refugees that they're trying to get to the other side of the table yes uh that was uh uh at alamo yeah it was one of the, the tables they had there so night lords were the defender which makes a certain kind of sense when you think about it. It's like, hey, we got to get these dudes out. We need people who are really who who know a thing or two about ambushing refugees. They're gonna know exactly where the best spots to hide are. They're gonna know what to watch out for. So I show up with my ultramarines, and then there's this fire sweeping across the table. He kind of set up two sniper units in each corner, and I'm like, okay, well, you know the fire's coming from that side, right? Yeah. Okay. Um. He had like a, a land raider with terminators with his warlord in it. He had like two daredeos, two contemptors. I'm like, that's that's a lot of dreadnoughts that I'm gonna have a lot of problems with. So you were escorting the refugees? No. Okay. No, I was trying to attack the the refugees. Did you kill the refugees? I did take out one of them. Okay. Uh, I'd mostly kind of focused on fighting night lords a little bit too much. Okay. Just because like he had brought a lot of like dirty stuff. One of the main issues was he was running terror assault, which forces night fighting, but the mission, because of the fire, did not allow night fighting at all. Okay, that's fair. I was like, well, but in hindsight, I don't think it would have affected all too much because, like, the the Terminator, my Terminators get the night vision from their targeters. All of his guys have night vision. Yeah. So, yeah, it wouldn't make much of a difference. Yeah. So basically, his guys came out to handle some of my guys, and then my Terminators just, okay, I need Slay the Warlord right now. 
Uh, a part of the mission, so the the part of the event, the total event, every table was worth campaign points for winning the table. Your secondary objectives, instead of contributing victory points towards the mission, your secondary objectives just contributed campaign points as well. Uh huh. So if you lost the table, your opponent would get two more uh, two more campaign points. But if you did better on the secondaries, you might get just as much, if not more, campaign points. Right. Okay. Yep. So. Uh, there was different secondaries. Every mission had a, spe- a special secondary based on if you were the attacker or the defender. Every faction had its own unique secondary you could bring to any mission. And it was different based on if you're a loyalist or traitor. So like playing loyalist ultramarines, if uh, my warlord took out a unit while benefiting from the ultramarines legion trait where if they're shooting at something that somebody else shot at, I would get extra points. Or if I went the game without my Warlord's unit failing a morale check. Oh, I got extra points. Toss that one out the window. <laughs> well, so I run the Warlord trait where if I allocate a wound to him, he becomes fearless. Oh, okay. The the turn. Okay. Game eight. Absolutely love it. Yeah. That and then any of the standard secondaries you could bring. So of that entire list of options, you pick two. Okay. So I look at the mission. The attacker mission is to have somebody have a unit wiped out from getting run over by the trucks. I'm like, well, I don't control the trucks, so I'm probably not going to get that one. And then, of course, the more specific the secondary is, the less points is worth. Yeah. So, like, the generic ones are usually worth, like, two points uh-huh. each. Uh, they did have a custom one called the, the Moral Victory. If you took down a unique character, it's worth 10 campaign points. Okay. Which I thought was pretty interesting. So for that particular mission, I went with the Ultramarines one, and then I think I just picked Slay the Warlord, because I'm like, yeah, I can just missile his Warlord down, no problem with this. Yep, Brutal absolutely. plasma missiles. That's going to happen. As you expect. And it did happen. So, so you stacked up on uh, victory points on that <laughs> table? Yeah, well, so I did get those. I did lose the mission, because I was focused more on Night Lords, and he was able to get the, uh, get the trucks kind of behind... So I could deploy on either long edge and then he could deploy anywhere like in the very middle right. of those two. Right. So I kind of stacked all up on one edge. So he's able to bring his other get basically get the, the trucks behind all of his force. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I kind of don't just want a brutal missile down the trucks. That seems like it'd be very not fun. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of going to kind of avoid doing that. And by the, by the time I kind of got refocused on the mission, those trucks were pretty much gone. My suzerain were able to get into one of them. Uh, if it lost combat instead of falling back, it would just like scatter in a random direction. So I was trying to like get it to fail and then scatter back into the flames sweeping across the table. Yeah, so it would kill itself. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, unfortunately, all the times it did scatter didn't do that. Uh, he did get to pin my uh, tacticals and I was kind of like, I, I basically lost all three of my tactical squads to the fire. Okay. Oh, cause they were pinned inside there or what? Uh, one of them was pinned. Uh, the rhinos got kind of blocked in by a destroyed rhino and then to like go around it. And I just couldn't get him out of the fire in time. Oh, I was like, ah, if he doesn't roll max, I'll probably be okay. Oh, look, it goes 12 inches and just sweeps over all my stuff. There goes my tackles. <laughs> it got me, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. It was, a, it, was a, it was a good game. I had a lot of fun. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of got to see because the that Terra Salt list was pretty. It wasn't like super super tuned, mm-hmm. but two Daredeos is a bit much. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, gloves well, off at that point. Yeah, those, they're gonna do whatever they do. Plasma missiles coming in. Uh, I'm not gonna feel bad about my my missile teams taking out the lightnings trying to come in, uh-huh. or the two Zyphons. So it's like, okay, well, uh, I'll roll my reserves. Hey, look, I get a Zyphon, and there it goes. Oh, yep. Uh, next turn. Oh, hey, there's my other Zyphon. It's dead, and there it goes. <laughs> they got Augur scanner, right? Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> it's like, I didn't even have to paint Zyphons. I could have just <laughs> left them at home. And well, you know, we had to see if it crashed and burned and where it scattered to. And oh, I gotcha. Uh, scattered onto my suzerains who made all their armor saves. Oh, great! Yeah, of course they did. Yeah. And even if they didn't, they would have just, you know, charactered it up, <laughs> spread out those wounds. Well, I don't do that. I'm just playing with you. And even I know then, you do. I think, I think it's like a strength nine hit from the crash and burn. It's just it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that game was fun. Had a good time. Uh, ended up losing that one. The I forget what secondaries he took, but he ended up getting more second, more of the campaign points than I did. Yep. Because I got two for Slay the Warlord, and I got three for not failing a morale check for my HQ. So it's five total. He got, I guess, plus six for the loss. He got three for the victory, and then uh, I think killing a unit while it was pinned was like his Night Lord's one, something like that. Yeah. And so he got that, no problem. Well, that's cool. Uh, game two, I got to play Powerful Brett. Powerful Brett, all right. He was running uh, Word Bearers, Last of the Serrat- No, uh, Dark Brethren. Classic uh, Ultramarines versus Word Bearers. Yeah, we got to play Revenge for Kalth, and we were playing actually one of the missions I'd help play test, mm-hmm. which is the Castellan Stronghold tile yep. in the middle of the table. The I was defending it, and then Word Bearers were attacking from the short table edges. Ah. Uh, every time he lost a unit, he got a counter. And he could spend three counters to bring any two destroyed units back. Okay. Did you have special characters that were on your stronghold? Uh, I did. There was Argle Tall. Just flew up turn one, charged my uh, heavy weapons teams, and stayed there for the rest of the game. Yeah, okay. I charged in with... Uh, he charged my Dreadnought because that was his Dark Brethren target. So he's like, cool, if I kill that, one of my units gets buffed. So your unit, your, your stronghold was in the middle. Yeah, it's like a two-foot tile. Of a of the table, and they came in from the short table sides? Yeah. Okay, so the Alamo mission. <laughs> yes. Okay, uh, <laughs> this is, Okay. yeah. The, the Alamo mission from Alamo is what it sounds like. Right? I suppose so. Well, that's like, so so long, long table, yeah. tile, they come in from these sides while uh-huh. you're in the middle. Yeah. Okay. That, okay. Was the, that was the Alamo from the Alamo. From that was Alamo the Alamo GT. from Alamo GT. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because I called it the Blue Alamo. It definitely was the Alamo. <laughs> because uh, that's pretty much how it happened. The mission isn't, hey, uh, hold off the attackers. It's, hey, hold off the attackers for as long as you can. See if you get a high score. Yeah. That's pretty much. Except in the Alamo mission, there was uh, like David Bowie. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Daniel oh, Bowie. And, uh, <laughs> like there, there was <laughs> the all Texas the, heroes. The, the Texas heroes in that mission. Oh, okay. Uh, no, that time there was just Argle Tall having a great time. Yeah, I, I played that mission uh, with uh, uh, against World Eaters, and mm. it was like I, fuck the Alamo. I'm out. <laughs> 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 like I'm not gonna be trapped in here. I'm a shooty army. 
I can't do this. Yeah. So I kind of like posted all my shooty stuff up on the uh, ramparts, except for my Terminators who don't need line of fire. Yep. They're jerks. Yep. yep. And they just stood still all game and just plasma missiled anything that was trying to come at me. They had a great time. But uh, I picked the Ultramarines one for my secondary as well as the Moral Victory because I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Argletal is going to get it. He's going to get plasma missiled. Turns out Argletal and a unit of Galvorback are completely immune to all Ultramarines shenanigans. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, I hit them with plasma missiles and they just kind of shrugged and because they're toughness five. That's not instant death. They've got invuls because they're demons. They've got feel no pains because Argletal is there. Well, yeah, they got feel no pains because Argletal is there. And I'm not instant death, so they get to roll their feel no pains. So <laughs> I hit them with everything I got, and they still made it into combat. Then I charged them with my uh, Loki Taurus, got my charge off, got my bonuses, got all my bonuses for them. So they're at plus they're at plus two weapon skill, right? Or plus one weapon skill, and then plus one to hit. So they're hitting on twos with their rending power swords. And Gal Warburg are like, all right, cool. Are you, do- are you done? All right, cool. And then just took out that unit. Lovely. And it, it was a mess. People forget Gal Warburg. <laughs> yeah. So Gal Warburg did a fantastic job of tanking all of my Ultramarines tricks while the rest of his army, he had to melt a bikes, like outriders with melted guns. Lovely. Like, oh, yeah. oh. Just, just drive up and they say, hey. <laughs> Argletal like, hey, has a package uh, for you. Hey, those suzerains? Yeah. Oh, they're in a tank? All right. Well, not anymore. They're not. <laughs> Come get them, Argy. <laughs> oh, no. Argletal was busy. Like, he, I just kept, like, he was fighting those Lokitari till the end of the game. Okay. Like, I, I took out his, I, I had him down to a couple wounds left by, I think, turn four, and we hit time. Mm, rough. And were y'all doing four turns or five turns? Uh, we were doing six turns. It's just oh, six turns. Yeah, just with uh, with units coming back. Like that was one of the issues playtesting that mission is like, hey, with units coming back, your turns never get shorter. Right. No. Usually in a standard mission, turn one is like the longest turn. Right. Because everybody's got their full complement of stuff. You know, you got all your reactions. You have all your everything you can do. And then by turn three, four, you got cleanup duty. What whoever's left is doing whatever they're whatever they got to do. So by the time you get everything in combat, you've got a much lower model count. So your turn kind of evens out. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in this mission. So if we had, if we had the time to do more rounds, I probably could have got Argletal down. But the way it works is I got victory points every time he brought more stuff in. Yeah. Basically, the, every, the more stuff they had to commit to taking this base, the better I did. Okay. Okay. But every turn he had units in the base, he got points. So Argletal being there just just got him as many points as possible. Just stuck in. So like I a like, tick. Yeah, I barely eked it out because uh, he brought in units three times and then kept a unit there three turns. Uh-huh. Or he brought in unit twice, so that got me four points to his three turns of having Argletal on my base. Uh, so that sounds fun. Oh, dude, it was a blast. It, that mission was a slog. I was wiped. And uh, then you did one more mission? Yeah, we did one more mission that night, and that one I was playing like a Titan salvage mission. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, yes. 
Uh, and I played that one against powerful, powerful Lance, who would win the Sportsmanship Award. Powerful Ancor. And so he was bringing his world leaders with like Karn, Crimson, Crimson Path, like the whole nine yards. And that was the one where you had to, there was piles of. Yeah, there of, was like wrecked knights and like wrecked titan pieces. Yes. And having people there, you would, you would uh, salvage stuff. Yes. And that would be what's worth points. Yeah, I, that, that is the mission that I played at Alamo against the uh, Death Guard. And I trapped the Death Guard in their deployment zone, and I just sat there salvaging. It's like, leave us alone. We're busy. <laughs> yeah, so he got first turn. He had Karn. He had a Kratos and a... Uh, yep, I've played Sikaren. that list. I played that list in Alamo. That's mm-hmm. what came after me in the Alamo. Alamo. Yes. Uh, it's a... Uh, <laughs> Did he learn about? Because uh, uh, against me, he learned really quick about land speeders and how not to park his uh, his Kratos near the edge of the table. Well, I didn't have any land speeders, so he didn't have to worry about that. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> I took that thing away from him very quickly. So uh, his first turn, his Kratos. Wait, did he have the conversion beamer dreadnought sitting in the back? No. Okay. Because that thing, I didn't even know it was there. <laughs> I buzz, yeah, it was like his list was Angron, Karn, uh, Kratos, and then just Red Butchers. Like everything just runs at you, and I'm just like, here it all comes. Let me just defend myself. And all of a sudden, it's like I can. He's got a template. I'm like, what are you doing? What is this even for? He's like, oh, my my contemptor back there. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> that guy's dead. <laughs> I was like, boop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, my God. That'll <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, get you. <laughs> no, he had, uh, he had Karn, a couple 20-man blobs of uh, despoilers. He had the, oh, what are they called? Uh, Ravagers, Rampagers? Yeah, did he bring a Fire Raptor? No. Okay, he brought a Fire Raptor last time, too. Damn. Random Fire Raptor. Kind of wish he had. You give my, my missiles something to do. Yeah, I... Twin linked everything with a, a a bunch of assault cannons and no. I think he had a, a Laz cannon fist contemptor. Okay. Yep. So uh, he got turn one, and I didn't know this, but the Volkite on the Kratos has pinning. Yes. And I learned that with him pinning my Fulmentaris. Lovely. <laughs> like, he he says, "Shut up." He said, "All right, cool. I'm a Laz cannon. Those guys with the Laz cannons on the Laz cannon boat." And, uh, yeah, I guess look at the turret, too. I mean, they're in Terminator armor. We'll see what the Volkite does. I'm like, okay, I take a wound. Like, cool, it's pinning. I'm like, oh, damn it. <laughs> Go ahead and roll that 11. <laughs> All right, well, I got leadership nine on the sergeant. We're actually doing night fighting as well. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I don't remember what I rolled. I want to say it was an 11. Yep, that's classic. It's like, okay, Classic cool. ultramarines. Let me see if I can not roll an 11. So high numbers are good, right? <laughs> Dang it! Like I knew going into it, like okay, well I'm about to I'm about to mess this roll up. I'm about to I'm about to hard fail this roll. Like like I don't even gotta worry about adding stuff. Like no, this is gonna be, boop. All right, they're pinned. Uh, and he's like, all right, cool. Sakarin's gonna shoot them. Dreadnoughts are like like just lays into them while they're pinned. Like ah, uh, here we go. Mm, 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 mm. Well, that sounds like yeah, good time, dude. Oh, dude, that that match was the weirdest. Like, I had my my warlord. His unit just like ran off the table. 
Yeah. yeah. Figure that. Yeah. I messed up and not allocated a wound to him. And he's bounced. Because, like, so Karn has, like, Karn issued a challenge. I'm like, cool. I accept with uh, that suzerain. He's just like, hey, what's up? Okay. And, uh, I, 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 God, he just, I just forgot to allocate a wound to my, uh, to my Praetor. So, uh, he like wins combat by a little bit. And then I just, I, I just mess up that roll too. I get another 11. They run away. I'm like, all right, cool. They're going to go to rally next turn. Oh, they don't rally. They just leave. So not only did I fail my Ultramarines uh, mission of not failing a morale check with my HQ, he just left. He just walked away. <laughs> I I made the critical mistake of underestimating Karn. Uh, he's, a, he's a wily little cat. Uh, Karn's real. I didn't realize that you couldn't react to Karn. Like, if he charges, you just don't get to react. Like, that's that makes sense. That's I guess that's a thing he would have. That's pretty significant. So I was like, okay, in that case, yeah, I would like to react to his movement. <laughs> I'm just going to get get the heck away from him. Made like a 10-inch charge, which is fine because he gets like three different bonuses for being world leaders. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so after that, I'm like, this game is weird. I don't know what's going on anymore. Uh, I'm just going to move some stuff out and try to get all the salvage I can. Uh, the, he just kind of spent the rest of that game cleaning up unit after unit. I did box in Karn with three rhinos and just melt him down. Because by the time I had hit him with the, my suzerains, they did get around into him, and he just had a regular despoiler squad with him. And then my Loki Taurus got into him. Uh, by the time everything whittled him down, there was Karn and the sergeant of the squad left. So I'm like, all right, cool. Three <laughs> three rhinos are just going to go at these guys. Melts of the first. Uh, missed, melted the second, gets a plus one. Cool, hits, wounds. Do you have a save on the sergeant? Nope. All right, cool, he's gone. And then final melta, hits, give me a invul save on Karn. Nope. All right, cool, instant death. There it is. Got him. <laughs> Easy uh, peasy. So the, the only way I've discovered to get that moral victory secondary, it was designed as like, a, okay, but you didn't win though. Okay, but I got, okay, but I got your guy though. He's dead. You he's, he spent a lot of time painting him, but now he's dead. Uh, I think somebody was like planning on not have not allowing unique characters, but then unique characters ended up not being banned in time. So they're like, you know what? Okay, fine, but you can bring him. But if your opponent kills him, like ten, 10 campaign points. Like I ended up getting more campaign points despite losing, not getting my other. And they announced that that day that you got there. No, it was in the packet. Okay, okay. No, they didn't announce it the day of. No, we knew that going in. It's like, hey, these characters aren't banned. Just be aware of this secondary mission. Rough. That is rough. And it just worked out where it's like, the only way I can get it is by like failing on every other possible metric. But I got that, but I got that one guy, though. But I got him with the Melta, though. Yeah, ten campaign points. That is just, rough. Just like a just like a petty little like nah, but I but you didn't win though. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the only way I could possibly like that's the only way I was able to get it. That is rough. But no, that oh, was a hell of a game. And uh, they had a little score sheet for every mission, like where you turn in like the results and kind of like score your opponent so they could like determine like best painted, 
uh, sportsmanship and stuff like that. And it was like like one to five. I'm like, no, nah, I'm gonna write in six for sportsmanship because it's the best game I've had. <laughs> Powerful land core. Yeah. Powerful land core. So that's cool, man. Absolutely. Uh, I was not the only person to do that. For like right into six for sportsmanship for Lance. He's a good dude. Hell yeah. Uh, Verif- yeah, verifiably I, now. I met him at Alamo, dude. We had a very lovely talk. <laughs> he's an excellent dude. Like he just oh, really yeah. is. Yeah, he was just oh, so much fun just to hang out with. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that was it for Saturday. After that, we all kind of went. Uh, okay, so yeah, dinner Friday. We did get the Hickory Hollow, which is like a uh, barbecue place nearby to the venue. Cool. Uh, then. After that, we went to PJ's Steakhouse. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'd never been, and that was pretty good. Good stuff, yeah. And then kind of coming back into it on Saturday, we had two more rounds. I played a mirror match, Ultramarines versus Trader Ultramarines from Hatch, who uh, I was really excited for that game. Okay. So basically, at a, I think at Adepticon... His Ultramarines got like so wiped, and part of that was like his reserves never came in. That he uh, refluffed his army to have been like soft abandoned, and that's why they turned. Okay, they were able to actually get support. So he actually had this like really cool like long running narrative for his force, and like the weathering was a little inconsistent because when as units like would die, he would like weather them a little more. Okay, so yeah. some of his dreadnoughts were like really like ragged looking, whereas some were looking a little more pristine. That's very cool. So he would go on to win like the narrative award for like, like, like just having that long running continuing narrative for his force, which was really cool to see. So the mission we played there was a hostage or like a like a uh, VIP in the middle of the table, and when somebody got it, something happened. Basically, they had a random assassin that would show up based on who captured him and how. Right. So he got a, uh, I think it was the, the Eversur assassin, the one with the skull helm. Yeah. Uh, popped in and just started like going after my dudes. Okay. Uh, thankfully, my suzerain able to hold on, or hold on to that because uh, he showed up to attack me because I grabbed the, uh, the hostage. I was able to hold them off with my suzerain because he, he went after my tax squad, which got the, the character. Yeah. Okay. Wiped that and then my suzerain were able to pick it up. To handle the assassin, get back in the land raider and just turtle. And he had like uh, laser vindicators just hammering at me. He had uh, three contemptors and a box dread with last cannons just hammering away at me. But I was kind of able to like backpedal and just turtle enough to where like the ten percent of my force left was able to like have this pyrrhic victory. There you go. Uh, that was that was a hugely fun game, just because I was kind of wanting to see like how Ultramarines can handle Ultramarines. Oh yeah, and then just like the fluff behind it, where it's like now we've got this like grudge match after grudge match. Like first I've got defensive Calf with uh, with Brett, and then now I've got this like you know Ultramarines versus Trader Ultramarines. Uh, that was that was a good time, and then there was a little bit of stuff shuffled around for the last round. Mm-hmm. where uh, one of the tables had gotten packed up because it was a table somebody else had brought and they were going to leave. Okay. And so the people who were at that table got moved to a different table, which was uh, next door to me. But uh, I guess one of the guys that got it, cr- or they got moved to a table, but they'd wrote the wrong number. And so they moved into a table that already had people. 
Okay. And so the both traders kind of like, oh, dude, I was looking for this matchup. You got Mechanicum? Cool. I was wanting to play Mechanicum all day. And so they were like super excited to play it. And so instead... Yeah, oh yeah, they got moved to my table. So my opponent, he didn't realize I was there because I was like still like getting lunch. We grabbed some Subway or something because uh-huh. I, I needed food. And I'm like eating that. And I kind of see, you know, the other traders show up and he gets to my opponent before I do. And they're like, oh, dude. And they're like, they, they look stoked to play this game. Okay. So by the time they realize like, okay, so cool. So you're Derek, right? It's like, no. And who's Derek? And I'm like, hey, what's up? Oh, so you just didn't play last round or what? Well, no. So I played the loyalist that was going to play. Oh, so you played against. Lo- oh, okay. Yeah. Cause like you guys seem really excited to play this game. You guys are super hype into this. I don't want to like stand in the way of that. I, I think you guys are going to have a great time. So I played uh, Richard's uh, Ultramarine, or not Ultramarine's, uh, Imperial Fists. Okay. And man, he had brought two squads of Phalanx Warders with Stone Gauntlet. Oh yeah, we know how that match went. <laughs> I hit them with everything. And they were fine. I hit them with everything. And they were fine. Everything. I hit them with plasma missiles. I got my uh, my my best charge with my Loki Taurus. Everything. Yeah, re-rolling your vulnerable saves is real. And Heart of the Legion. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, uh, 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 what? Uh, ever? I had, he had a knight that he barely like he he basically just hung back and like, I yeah I'll throw a thermal cannon shot over here every now and then. Yep. And then all right, cool. Last turn. All right, the knight's gonna step up and he's gonna jump into this combat and handle sure. everybody. <laughs> so if he needs to step in, well, Daddy like, will help. Like my suzerain were fighting those phalanx warders the entire game. Oh. It's like it's just unstoppable force and immovable wall. Yeah. And he's like, all right, cool. Just to make sure. All right, last turn. Yeah, Knight's going to jump in. It's like, look, we're not going to hurt you, but you're not going to hurt us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's like SpongeBob. I always think about SpongeBob. Like whenever, you know, the the bully tries to beat him up. He's just just, like punching him and just making the squeak noises. noises. Yeah. Yeah. I always think about that when I think of Phalanx. It's like, yeah, they don't really hit too hard back, but they're going to stay around. Okay, but they'll be there till the end of the game. One guy in there with a Solarite power gauntlet. Yeah, he's punching. That dude is knocking a dude out of turn. Yeah. But other than that, they're just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. So that's kind of how that game went. But we had a good time with that. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. Uh, so the last rounds, they were kind of like truncated because they, they knew some people had to leave early. So they wanted to get like the bulk of it out. Yeah. But yeah, it was a great game. Uh Every opponent I played was a fantastic game. I loved every single every single game. It was a great time. Yeah, sounds like you had a good time. Hell yeah. Uh, they ended up giving me an award for helping prep the hobby exemplar. You were absolutely a hobby exemplar. Because uh, I had helped out with some of the terrain that uh, we had brought from Legacy. For they, months. For months. Yeah. It was just kind of some stuff I was chugging on in the background. I didn't really talk about it too much. I printed a wrecked warlord. Yeah. I know you'd start at the shop and like, Derek, we all see you over there with 3D printed Warlord parts. <laughs> we don't all act, see it. Don't act like we don't. Don't try to be, <laughs> don't, don't be coy about it. We see you. But yeah, there's that. And then I'd help play test a few of the missions. Yep. Just kind of like dial in like, hey, what? so what do you think is some problems with this? And yeah, it mostly was like, like that Alamo mission. Like, hey, turn turns don't get shorter like they do in normal games. Uh, we need to tweak it. And I, I kind of like what they did with it. Where it's like, okay, every time the the attacker has to bring more stuff on, they're giving up points. Definitely. So if they don't need to do that, 
then it keeps you from having a whole bunch of stuff. But if they like lose a bunch of stuff and they just need to bring more stuff, then you're not going to get as many turns, but that early, just like cut the head off that kind of that, that if on a normal game, if you lose like a whole bunch of stuff, turn one to shooting from the defender. Yeah. It's going to be a rough game. Right. So they'd kind of like dialed in a bunch of that stuff. I think. Very cool. Uh, I think it, so of the four tables I played, it kind of seems like you've played a lot of those missions. At yeah. sounds Alamo. like a, all, I played every mission you played except for that last one. Uh, so it's good stuff. Yeah. Um, but that was only like four of the tables. Like uh, there's a handful of tables that uh, John Christensen brought down. Mm-hmm. There was, I think f- uh, four or five, maybe six that we brought from legacy. But yeah, all in all, it was a fantastic time. Uh, just every part of it just, just came back from just super wiped just because of all the energy I spent just, having the best time i could sounds like a good time man hell yeah so let's get into the heavy weapon squad part two yeah community part yeah what you guys got uh so i I think one of the main things we called out was like hey what's going on in your local meta yeah one especially for how how things were getting handled and i think i mean it's no surprise that like heavy weapon last cannon squads are yeah we know they're good they're good uh, so first off from James is we've noticed them less and less in our local meta, uh, pinning from deep strikes going off before intercepts as well as baiting out reactions from less tasty units, such as shooting them with an armager, Helverns, auto cannons, which is AP three and ignores cover makes them tank everything in their Sergeant or tech Marine Scorpius and conversion beamer contemptors also work. So, so we kind of knew killing them is a good option. Yeah, uh, yeah. Those are all really good tools. If you have access to them, uh, the old Epic rules, Try to make last cannons and similar precision and anti tank weapons less dominating by making them ineffective against infantry. I was thinking about something similar for Age of Darkness, since such as making last cannons snap fire when targeting infantry. That's very cool. Uh, this way, they aren't good against everything. I, I dig that. I, yeah, because why? Why would you? I mean, anti tank weapons against infantry. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, you know, especially or even maybe, you know, because, you know, last cannons are pretty precision, right? Mm-hmm. Tanks aren't very difficult to hit. You just kind of point them in the general direction. Yeah. But actual infantry with your giant single point laser, I could definitely see. Because you think about a Volkite, a Volkite's like multiple laser shooting. Yeah. Is what makes it so. I, I like to think of it as like the Spartan laser from Halo, where it's like a targeting laser. And it like, takes a while to like charge up and let go. So if you're, you know, in one of the tanks, yeah, they're gonna tag you with it. It's gonna be a thing that happens. You can't you can't really do anything about it. But if you're in like one of the lighter, faster tanks, or if you're on foot, you do kind of get that warning of like the targeting laser. So you can kind of like start like juking left and right and or know to like duck behind something. That is by far my favorite so far is uh uh, snap firing when firing against infantry i have seen people uh trying to like, like talking about having them maybe for reactions having to snap fire mm-hmm. heavy weapons I, but yeah that would definitely tone back just the number of shots it's the volume of fire you get out of these guys because even like even on predators uh last cannon mass last cannons on predators is still super good yeah you just lose that on the reactions yeah, but even then, it's still super good. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got, you know, five or six Predators. That's 
10, 12 last cannons that are coming at you. I think the Predators are very different with their application of it, though, because with the Predator sponsons, you can peel off and you can just tag a bunch of vehicles. No problem. Yeah, but I'm talking about shooting against infantry. You can kill whole squads of infantry just with last cannon. Just, oh, yeah. You just pick them off one at a time. There's nothing they can do about it. I, I, I like this idea of uh, snap firing against infantry because I don't see any real downside to it. It's like, don't bring a bunch of last cannons. Your last cannons are meant for killing tanks. Don't bring them to kill infantry. Yeah. If you bring 20 last cannons and your opponent doesn't have any tanks, currently, you're still going to have a great game. 10 last cannons will obliterate a tactical squad. Yeah. Last cannons right now are... Anything out of a rhino or a land raider, 10 last cannons will handle. Yeah. And they, they really do take all of the necessity out of a missile launcher right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I like that. Good job, Thomas. Uh, Panzer Shrek, just to add on to how to fix heavy supports, maybe introduce a rule about limiting reactions to squad sizes. The consensus seems to be the reactions are what pushes them over the top. So maybe the limiting squads to five to be able to react, but 10 plus can't use reactions. Might limit firepower to a degree. I can see that. Yeah, I definitely see something like that happening. I think that kind of gets kind of back to the uh, what was the compromise we came to last episode where it's like your heavy weapons team, you get five heavy weapons and then up to five ablative wounds. Yes. <laughs> uh, CJ said just to make heavy weapons snap fire and reactions. Just make heavy weapons snap fire and reactions. Fair enough. Yeah. Like I said, I've, I've seen people talking about having that change. Uh, Kara said, or people can stop being asshats and stop bringing 30 last cannons heavy men. <laughs> I, I mean, that. yeah, if that if people are bringing 30 last cannons, that's the 100% the solution. Uh, powerful BB Miniature said, that is an interesting idea to bring up. Could be worth a play test, and that was going to be to the snap firing. Yeah. Uh, heavy weapons. Uh, Velocity Rapper says, if you aren't bringing heavy weapons to be dicky, they are fine. Worst case, make them unique, so you can bring one 10-man squad at a time. 85% of their kit is balanced and pointed appropriately to where they are. Shoot them with snipers and plasma. They don't last long. Be more okay with mutual squad wipes. Uh, so he's saying 85% of the heavy weapon squad is priced appropriately. It's just that 15%, like which is the last cannon option. Last cannon option kind of sets them off. Uh, powerful Borksalot, aka Brett, says, I know my little eight man squad at Warzone didn't do a whole lot. I drew eight man. <laughs> yeah, he had an eight man last cannon team. Uh, didn't do a whole lot. It drew fire and saved my gal Vorbach a couple of times other, you know, from other things shooting at them. One squad wasn't bad or out of place, and looking at stuff that was there, yes, I get it's small sample size, but they weren't prevalent and usually got hit by something they couldn't react to anyways. I'd be okay with snap firing on reactions in general, so even if it, a unit fires in return and overwatch, they are still fishing for sixes. Yeah, I mean, that, that's how it used to be. Overwatch, that, anything could do it, but you need sixes. That's a, a how it is right now. You can stratagem in it 40K, mm-hmm. and you cannot rely on it. I mean, that's really what it is. It's but it's a it's a gamble. I right? mean, if something's charging your last game team, you're not gonna not Overwatch. Yeah, exactly. It just takes away that like, okay, you can't charge this unit, otherwise they will laser your face off. So this is uh, CJ and Brett talking about Warzone, <laughs> about their games. Uh, well, I think they're talking about the the heavy weapons use specifically because he, he's saying Warzone was pleasantly tame. I think he means like nobody just went overboard with heavy weapons teams. Yeah. And then this is Brett telling him about how his list was not yeah. tame. So 
Uh, we have had, this is from Clains. He says, we have had similar last cannons in our meta. Basically, everyone takes a 10-man 10 10 last cannon team. But we have all just agreed not to take more than one and just have to learn to deal with them. Mainly Scorpions. Scorpiuses are the answer we have found. The most painful part is that vehicles just do not have the damage back that a last cannon does. The heavy weapon squad with last cannons just make vehicles feel so bad. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's funny how he says that... Uh, their meta, basically everyone just takes 10 in last can team. That is the crab meta that we are, in fact, talking about right now. Yeah, that's like what you see with like card games, where it's like, oh, this card is just, yeah, everybody just runs this card. It's good no matter what. Uh, that's Usually, in that situation, they do come out with like a ban list, or they limit it in some way. Yeah. Like if everybody's running it, usually that means there's something unbalanced about it. Yeah. Uh, Mikal responded with that. He says, we've got a little surge of them locally. 10 man with apothecary, about 50-50 with a tech marine too. So far, only a do few dudes have tried to spam them. Mostly that's just kind of been shuffled off. Uh, Artisan said, that really seemed, that seems like a really halfway house. Maybe something for all infantry in the same style. So if all entries have heavy weapons that aren't defensive, they can only react if they're less than five. That's in response to, like, uh, limiting the reactions based on the... On the yeah. uh, uh, and then to the response to the just make heavy weapon snap fire, it is also a really nice choice. I like this a lot coming from Artisans of All. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so if you are a uh, James Workshop employee and you just so happen to listen to this podcast and you hearing the community reactions... I think those are all solid ideas. Yeah, it, it kind of seems like the the last can is just f- for the points far and away the best one. I know there was somebody at Warzone who had plasma cannons on their uh-huh. heavy support team. They had like two plasma cannon squads. AP four sucks. Yeah, fishing for that <laughs> rending. <laughs> it's not fun. Like reaching. It's rough. It's like, hey, you could have vegetables or a steak. It's like, well, I want the steak. Well, if you eat all your vegetables, you could get a steak. Well, no, I'll just eat the steak. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. It's like, is the plasma cannon team better than the last cannon team? No. no. Well, sometimes can it be better? No. <laughs> well, well, I don't. Why but, would I ever? What if? What if I? What? If, so what if you were shooting at? No. No, it's gonna be last cannon, buddy. That's gonna be the answer. Now, is it fluffier? Yes, absolutely. Do you feel cooler? Do you get to pay a bunch of OSL? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Last cannons don't kick back. Yeah. So, you know, jot that down. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can hit more guys with the plasma cannon because it's a template, but no, yeah, just guarantee the lock in. Don't overkill. Just yeah, do what just, you need to. Yeah. The, all all weekend, I was like, hey, so this, this missile team, for 50 points, they could have all had last cannons. I'm like, it's just everything they do just has that little asterisk next to it. So anytime they ping off of a Terminator squad, anytime they, you know, somebody tanks all their saves on their sergeant who has artificer armor for those AP3 missiles. Yeah, just ignore that. Forget that. Every, every tank I do nothing to. It's like, ah, oh, those could have been last cannons. It's a, it's a hard pill 50, to swallow. 50 points isn't it's not hard to find 50 points. Uh, I'd make 50 points. <laughs> yeah. At that point, I don't need the multi-meltas on the rhinos. No, yeah. Yeah, you just hit them for the back. That's why I have the multi-meltas on the rhinos, because I don't have anti-tank, because I have missiles. No. Uh, 
Yeah. It's one of those things. These are all good options. I would say that probably my favorite out of all of them uh, is by far the snap shooting and infantry. Like infantry uh, holding heavy weapons have to snap shoot in reactions? Yes. I think in all infantry, if, if last cannons are shooting at infantry, regardless of if you're coming from a tank, if you're coming from a... It's just dedicated for heavy weapons. Can't lock on to you. Okay. Well, I mean, so then that uh, that takes away their use- usefulness against Terminators. That's fine. Okay. So what's now the anti-Terminator tool? Mass planking fire. <laughs> Fury of the Legion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Like, it's, it's like, yeah, Terminators suck against the multi-wounds. If, we got, if they fail ones. I don't think uh, a last cannon should be able to wipe a Terminator squad. Uh, what if we up the rending on Vindicators by one? Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Sign me up. I still think Contemptors should have been toughness six so that your strength 12 Vindicators double them out and now you're doing D3 wounds per shell. Hey, if we're talking about uh, stuff we wish we had, well, how about the uh, <laughs> how about the Typhon as a super heavy? You know, can we get that? Can we get that, please? You know, I keep forgetting it's not. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I got one. I got two of them. Last cannon. One last cannon says, "Hey, quit your shit." <laughs> That's it. One single last cannon says, "Hey, don't do that." I was like, "Oh, oh there, bring ten of them." There's my points. You can't. <laughs> The no, Lord's of War. Ten last cannons. Oh, oh yeah. There's one yeah. ten man last cannon squad just says, "Oh, three hundred points turns off your typhon." <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, dude. Uh, Mathematically, I lose my <laughs> my typhon two one and a half times a, a turn. Ugh, it's sad. It's a sad state. Looking at you, last cannons. Looking at you. <laughs> but all right, guys, we're at that two and a half hour mark. So pretty chunky episode. It's a chunky episode for you fellas. Uh, thank you for responding back. Uh, we will see you guys next time. Hell yeah. I don't Thanks know how she keeps turning that light on and off. I don't know. So for, for like half of this episode, Spoopy's been over there sitting on a stack of papers next to a lamp. And every time she like shimmies or shifts, it like cuts the power out or, or cuts it back on. Yeah, which scares me into thinking that we're losing audio, but no, we haven't. No. So. All right, guys. I guess that's the paranormal stuff confirmed. Yeah. It's real. 